Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber. To improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 80 of Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast. As always, I'm joined by the man with the wateriest eyes. Is that a word? In the business, Lord Cognito. <laughs> Thank you for shouting out. It's funny, everybody that I've been talking to lately, I've been going through this. Shout out to my man, Midway Monster, and a couple of people. They're like, yo, Cog, you okay? Like, what, did I say you something against you yet? And I'm like crying all over the place. I'm like, nah, bro, it's either allergy thing or this medicine I'm taking for the glaucoma. Mm-hmm. And it's just like everywhere I go outside or if I have to move away from like fans and windy areas. Oh. Yeah, it really does it. So I'm, I'm trying to figure this thing out. I'm, I'm OK. But, you know, Maddie, you ain't getting me that emotional yet. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're lucky you're not near me because I have a friend who, who gets that type of allergies where he starts to cry and we clown on him so bad. I got oh. so many photos of him just crying from his allergies and we're just like posting reaction photos of him. <laughs> It's so That's actually brutal. good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. As a person, as the, the, the new crier in town, <laughs> I, I can understand. I can, I can relate to his pain, but it is funny to, to pick fun at it. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we're crying for other reasons, right? We're seeing Jez Corden join the Croc gang and wow. not a fan of that. 
Not the, a fan the of that. Trail of Jess Gordon. Did you see it? And he's out here promoting it. He got yeah, the whole. He's thing. getting Aaron Greenberg involved. I'm like, Jess, pipe down. Pipe down. <laughs> Go work on leaks. Stop that. I have to give King this. Like his propaganda spreading when he gets behind something. Like it is unlike it's anything I've ever seen. Like the same thing with Phil when he got behind Phil before. No, he'll get on something first. So at the very least, even though this atrocity that is Crocs that is running around, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I had to show these. I had to show these boys how to do it right. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Xbox yes. has official footwear by Adidas or a, AKA Adidas in Europe. Yeah, how they how they call it? And Are they these, really? Oh, bro, they clean. They clean, bro. Yeah, mm. that's how they call it. Actually, over in the, in the UK, we we say it wrong. Apparently, it's. Adidas, apparently. apparently. But, uh, bro, they so clean. I got about the blocks fresh to death. Mm. Those are the official footwear sponsored by Xbox, and that will get you respect. But them other things, which y'all trying to, that propaganda y'all trying to spend, we mm. not doing that over here. <laughs> now, do you do you wear these shoes? I'm looking at them right now. Do you wear these Xbox Adidas? Adidas? I've worn them once. But oh, this... you're like me with my Dragon Ball sneakers, bro. That was my big splurge shoe purchase, and I wear them sparingly. Sparingly, I they just they like a display model, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like I just like to look at them. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. This had to be on your feet during the showcase, right? Oh, you know what's funny? I did not wear them. I wore um. Oh, what did I wear? No. I wore something. I wore like an Xbox shirt or something to it, but I, I didn't wear them. Mm. What I, I we're always good do. with shirts. We're always good with shirts. They actually go great with yes. the new merch from Defining mm. Duke. Yeah, the last day I'm of glad media you said so. transition. <laughs> yes, indeed. We have a new merch store, LastStandMedia.store. You can get Defining Duke shirts, a smug Xbox sticker. Uh, I have yet to see anyone send one to me, uh, so I'm I'm doing a call to arms. Y'all are patrons, so I know y'all got a couple of bucks. You're going to flick it at this store. I don't want to see my face pasted on like the back of your laptops and stuff. I want to see how creative you get. Maybe a bumper sticker. I don't know. I'm very open to seeing what you do with it. In all seriousness, we also have Sacred Symbol stuff, knockback stuff. I think the Sacred Symbol stickers sold out. Wow. Um, the one of the Pope holding it up. Oh, so, that's amazing. I love that Yeah. One. So uh, that's not available, but there's other stuff there for you all to peruse. Again, laststandmedia.store. For those of you who are patrons... Uh, we have our Defining Duke Ultimate Episode 76 live right now. Our top three most anticipated games for Xbox Game Pass. Uh, we we put a stipulation on ourselves: No Starfield. So don't worry. It's not as predictable of a conversation as you think it may be. But this is one of our rainy day topics we wanted to save for a time when things are slow, which is right now. And so we pulled it out and we talked about that. Cog, what was the rating? For that episode, I liked it, man, because we got creative. We got creative. Mm-hmm. We 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 had the arm behind the back. We all know we want the Starfield. We all <laughs> know we want to put Redfall. And, well, I want to put. Red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. put. Red. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm not saying anything. Don't worry. We, we we call I call it digging in the crates. We dug in the crates and we got some things. And then obviously it's a couple of ones that I thought, okay, I expected that one, but I liked yeah. our choices a lot. It was really cool. I highly recommend checking that. Defining to go to bed. Indeed. You can check that out over at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. We're having a lot of great segues here in the early going, a lot of interconnectivity, you and I. So I'm feeling good about this episode. Absolutely. Uh, Early access goes live on Thursdays, as I said. You can hit up free feeds like Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and so on and so forth, like YouTube as well on Sundays. Just want to shout everyone out. I'm not trying to stroke our ego here, but Cog, we hit the top 30. Top 30 U.S. Gaming podcast. Wow. Yeah. Wow, pretty cool. pretty good. Cool. Pretty good. So I say this not to to pat ourselves on the back too hard, but to let everyone know those reviews, those write-ins, the support here on Patreon, 
watching our content on YouTube. It really does help a lot. We want to be the number one show. We have to work to get it. We have to earn it. Uh, we're trying our best. So uh, just thank you all so much for tuning in and, and listening to us. We do appreciate it a lot. Yeah, big time. And I, I'm seeing like a real uptick in a lot of the comments, um, a lot of the, the tweets, very heartfelt, thoughtful tweets and, and, and mm. feedback on Defining Duke. And people saying mm. like, man, you guys really have something special. So it means a lot when someone takes the time out of the day to really praise the content. And I'm seeing it. And I forgot the gentleman's name. I don't, if I butcher it, I think it's Uncle Creepy. I, I apologize. He said something like no, really. No, it is. Yes, yes, yes. He yes. said something really that touched me. I was like, wow, that that's really cool. You know, and yeah. anybody else that, that, that gives us love, much respect. We try to build something special here. Got to be careful with your wording there, Cog. Uncle Cre- Creepy touched you? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, Uncle Creepy touched me in a way. I know that was out of pocket. But, but look, man, I got I had to admit, <laughs> what he said, it resonated. Yes. It what he said. It what he nice. said. What he said. Yes. That's what happened. <laughs> Not what he did. What he said. Absolutely. <laughs> that was a good catch. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for just writing in with kind words. We appreciate it. I want to just share some love with the audience there. And uh, let's get into our usual show. So some little tidbits before we begin. As I said, things are slower this time around. So when things get slow, I try to ramp up the patron write-ins as much as possible. So there's a lot of you in these episodes. Uh, First thing, though, on the news, Psychonauts 2 has a physical edition. It was announced with I Am 8-Bit that they're doing the Mother Lobe edition. Uh, So you can check that out. It Actually, they're reprinting Psychonauts 1 alongside it. uh, So you'll be able to get a brand new copy of that. Uh, at first, I was down horrendous because I thought that they were making us pay $130 for the big mother lobe edition, but uh, they are not doing that. There is actually a separate copy you can purchase for $70. Uh, so if anyone's interested in collecting Psychonauts 2 physically, it launched as a digital only game. Uh, you can go ahead and check that out. And I want to know, Cog, how you feel about... Uh, we did have a write-in about this. I don't think I put it in here, so I do apologize, but um, how do you feel about... Psychonauts 2 and and kind of this trend of games releasing digitally first and then doing like a physical run later. It's weird because I don't I don't know how I feel about so after the fact act mm-hmm. after the whole new cycle of the game, but there is a part of me that it says this needs to still happen because you know mm-hmm. look Psychonauts is a huge release for them and I, I I always I gotta slap my own self because I I failed to mention it a lot in the gear of 2021 that we all give Xbox credit. This was part of this lineup. This was a fantastic game. A lot of people, including yourself, who reviewed it, you know, some people said they liked it better than, um, was it Ratchet and Clank that came out that year and stuff like that. I know I did. I know. I actually- I'm I'm a lifelong Ratchet fan, man. That, That was surprising to me. For yeah. sure. And and to me, I normally don't get into the comparison stuff for the first party like or on platform, but the only reason why I brought it up is because, you know, when I looked at Ratchet, I'm like, okay, this looks like this really polished thing, the riffs, the graphics, and all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, Psychonauts, I'm kind of rating you on a different scale, maybe, you know, double A. I know it was kickstarted and it got up, but everybody's like, yeah. no, 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 no. This is high quality. And I'm so glad I started playing it again now that I've been using cloud. I've been using the Series S. Mm-hmm. I've been traveling a lot. So, yeah, man, it, this is good to see. So I like the physical edition, especially a first party. Like, I think at, yeah. that that needs to happen. You know, yes. yeah, double fine, man. I, I rep them. I, I really like what, they, what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. I'm putting my pre-order in. Just wanted to put everyone on watch for that. For me, it feels a little backwards. You know, it, it, it feels kind of odd that we're, we're going in this direction where now physical games 
games are just in general, like the disc in the case is going to become more of a collector's item. It's like buying an album at a CD store or something like that. It's just like, oh, hey, like you can get this on Spotify or you can buy it here and all that stuff. So it's kind of starting to get that vibe to it. Um, we'll be talking a lot about game ownership in this episode. So it's why I wanted to start off with this, because we will definitely be revisiting what's going on with Ubisoft, as many of you wrote in about that. Uh, but before that, we got to talk about the Lord of the Rings Gollum. There was a gameplay reveal. It was about a minute and a half trailer. I got to ask if he, he took the time to look at this one. The precious. The precious. Oh, <laughs> He's scamping no. around. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Where are you at with this, man? Like, I'm, I actually want to know what your thoughts are for it. Actually, before I start. Yeah, it's, instead of the precious, it's like the heinous, man. It's a crime. It's a crime what they're doing here. Okay, first of all, like on paper, I saw this game name. And usually I am not overly dismissive to the level of like no 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 like no this cannot work from frame one but this was a game when i saw the title immediately i was checked out i was like there's no way you can make a character that personally i hate can make me care about him and there's no way that this character and anything i've read from lord of the rings anything i've watched anything i've seen suggests to me that this character could be a fun person to play as in a video game <laughs> and then the gameplay shows up finally in a reveal that's been long anticipated this game's coming out september 1st yeah september 1st so it shows up finally gameplay minute and a half and it's just a trailer of him crawling through the bush shimmying along a little ledge that's really it that's really the game i i was i can't say i was stunned right because i expected this to not look good but it just looks exceptionally boring and i don't want to judge it too hard on that front after a minute and a half but now it's got me to the point where my sadistic curiosity has kicked in as a critic i'll be there day one see, i gotta see what the hell happened here i want to know what they do like it just it's so weird to me that i, I have the opposite spectrum of what would you, would your assessment of the character Mm. I think the character is absolutely hilarious. This, okay. I, I think he, again, it's not his voice so, just nails on a chalkboard for me, man. It just makes Ugh. me laugh. It's like nah. <laughs> I hate to do this. Me and King love the character because it's like the crackhead of the of the universe. Like, okay. <laughs> like, like think about it. You know, what I'm saying he's this fiend. For, like, oh, what can I do? Spiegel legs. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just, just the, the the funniest caricature of someone that I've ever seen. So whenever that character comes on screen inside the movies, I always erupt into laughter. Mm. I think he's probably one of the funniest characters. Now, to your point, I don't know about a whole yeah, me, game. Mr. Serious over here. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know about a whole game, but I am curious. I want to know what, what is this gameplay going to be? I, but that's the thing. There's a laundry list as a... I'm not going to call myself a diehard Lord of the Rings fan. I'm a fan. And even I could just list out a, a, a ton of ideas that you could hit or even in some cases revisit. Like, I look at bias-wise here, Lord of the Rings, the third age, which is literally Final Fantasy X, but a Lord of the Rings game. Like, you could revisit a turn-based RPG for Lord of the Rings. You have the Shadow of series, so you see a lot of people loving the open world stuff, but you go to Gollum? It's it's got that Dragon Ball the Breakers energy where people are like, do something a little different. You guys are always doing fighting games. They're like, we're gonna do an asymmetrical multiplayer game. It's like, uh, I, not that, not that, please. So uh, I, I like the experimentation. It does bring me back to a time in the early two thousands where we just got whatever the hell. So that's 
That's why I'm really curious about Lord of the Rings, Gollum. Maybe it's good. This Maybe it's good. Torn by his fractured psyche, players will have to manage <laughs> both, both Smeagol and Gollum on a journey that will take him across various famous locales, revealing more about his time as a slave beyond, below the Dark Tower and his mm. stray with the elves of Berkwood, and he interacts with iconic mm. characters from the series. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. You know, there's a game called Lord of the Rings Conquest that they could just remake. Have you ever played that one? I played it, but I've heard about it. It's yeah. so literally for those who haven't played it. Oh. Look it up. Lord of the Rings Conquest. It's Star Wars Battlefront, but Lord of the Rings. Another idea that just makes so much sense. That works extremely well. And they're just like, just make a game about Gollum. Okay, looking at it right now. Looking yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same mm-hmm. exact framework. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you play as the, the grunt on the battlefield. You get your hero, hero character. I remember playing the shit out of the multiplayer for that game, by the way, just on a side note. So good. Mm. Yeah, it looks Last cool. little... Uh, oh, sorry. I interrupted you. No, I'm good. I'm good. I just say, yeah, it looks cool. It looks cool. Yeah, definitely check that out if anyone hasn't. But uh, last little bit of news here, and then we got a little write-in. Uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge, day one game pass, middle of June. Big surprise there to everyone except me. And uh, one million sales now. It has crossed one million sales, so we just wanted to congratulate dotemu tribute games on not only a job well done but uh well-deserved success for a phenomenal tmnt game yeah man salute to those guys they they nailed it they nailed it it's great to see games like that still do well and mm-hmm. in a short period of time that's impressive obviously we know about the game pass you know connection there and i'm happy for them man and what i what i'm hoping is this opens up more doors creatively for a lot of our good retro stuff that needs some love and people that yeah. care about it that understand the nuances because that team they've got it and all the studios that they work mm-hmm. with they they kill it so streets of rage now tmnt what's next x-men i don't know whatever you want oh, to do x-men's a good idea yeah, yeah. yeah. x-men arcade was really good <laughs> yeah. let's see double Should dragon I... I don't know oh that for me oh that would be for me yeah that mm. woof. But yeah, let's see. Yeah. A lot of options, though. I hope they do a sequel of some kind or another TMNT game. That would also be really nice to see. Uh, but I feel like with the sales they have here, they've mentioned they're just they're open to doing DLC. Uh, depending on how the game does, it seems like it's done extremely well for them since it took them a month to hit a million sales. That's excellent. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think we'll probably just see a lot of support for Shredder's Revenge, which I'm personally very excited about. And uh, yeah, because didn't Streets of Rage 4 get like pretty good yeah. DLC as well? Yeah, I believe we got the, ni- the Nightmare Pack, extra characters, a little bit more stuff, a little more modes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I anticipate that. Yeah. So that'll be nice. With that, we now turn our attention to Kazdin Risk, who I uh, wanted to use their writing to sort of check the temperature here on UCOG and how you're feeling about a certain upcoming game. Daddy Dukes, we are one week away from Forza Horizon 5's Hot Wheels expansion. It has been one of my most anticipated releases for Xbox even before the announcement. I've been hoping for more Hot, uh, Forza Hot Wheels since Horizon 3 did it. I just wanted to write in to share the hype and love for this DLC. I've been playing through Forza Horizon 5's base game to prepare my garage for the races. Shout out to my fellow Forza Horizon lovers out there. Have a my dog peed on the floor and I accidentally stepped on it in socks kind of day. Ooh, come on. I've come had on. that unfortunately, and it's not it's not a good feeling, man. Oh it's not a good feeling. Yeah, you got the smell too on oh. it. It's just, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's not Shout good. out to Revan though. Good dog. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah, man. Um yeah. Um Hot Wheels, man. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. You know, three I missed out on for whatever reason. I don't know what happened with three. But 
when I saw it, I'm like, man, that looks cool. That's a unique concept. And then the way this trailer showed off, really phenomenal. I love the wide open tracks. I love the the defiant gravity stuff. I mm-hmm. played with Hot Wheels as a kid, so it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? It, it totally makes sense, and it makes sense for Playground because they really. I wonder is like whose idea, like the whole concept of it, because. My curiosity is, did they think it would become what it is? And the fact that they brought it back, mm-hmm. they just, to me, signals that they know they've got something. So, yeah, to see it come back, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it. And I love it. I feel like I need to come back to Forza anyway because of the Halo situation. I felt cut mm-hmm. its legs off undeservedly. And mm-hmm. that game is a high-quality game. Everybody on my friends list that wasn't even a car fan was playing Forza Horizon. So I'm ready to come back. Nice, nice. I'm probably gonna be playing other stuff, but not because I'm not interested here. I I, I did too miss out on the um the DLC from Forza Horizon Three, but uh, yeah, it's just like with Live Alive coming out, Digimon Survive coming out, they're re-releasing Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance Two, which like, oh my god, I hope just the achievement oh list is better goodness. than last time, man, because it was oh really bad god. the first time around, but mm-hmm. if they do it right, man, I'm in that, so I already am booked up, plus stuff I'm playing now that I'll talk about in a little bit, so I just know this would be like kind of a quick dopamine rush, like, oh, cool, play for a night, and that's it, and I just don't feel like I'd be spending enough time in it, but I wanted to remind everyone, it's coming quite soon, yes. so... I'm sure we'll talk about it more with write-ins from all of you. And if Cog plays it, maybe he'll shout it out. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With that, let's talk about what games are playing. Cog, would you like to go first? I see some. I see a, a game I really like on here. So I want you to go first. Please take right, it away. Look, I have a confession. Game Game Pass pick of the week was almost going to get hijacked again, mm. and. I have to admit, man, the Rock of Blade Point got me. I am mm, thoroughly I saw you playing in. it all day yesterday. I am thoroughly in. Like, now here's the thing. The learning curve is steep. The game really doesn't, I shouldn't say doesn't tell you. What it is, it's, it's very hidden behind memory. You can tell this is clearly a PC port because, like, there's parts where you can move your directional port pad to, to, to get to the menus, and then there's parts where it acts like a cursor. So you can tell this is a, a, a PC port. But here's mm-hmm. the thing. What I learned is I jumped in, and in, on, on, when I initially did the training, the thing I didn't like was just that they stuck me with the, the, the character on the box, the ninja girl. She looks like Jinx from G.I. Joe. And she's mm-hmm. cool. She's got powers. But you're forced with that. And the game has like 10, 11, 12 characters. Right? And they're all unique. And once I found who I got, I got this Shaolin Monk guy. 
right? So he's got this special ability. You know, it's kind of like when he gets attacked or someone tries to use long range attacks, you can do it and then reflect, you know, back. It's kind of like a defensive buff, like a bubble. Get off me. And then when I found out what his super move is, <laughs> bro, you turn into this Akuma-like big, like, Chinese mythology kind of thing with four arms and the Akuma beach and it reminds Mm. me I'm a fan of Transformers and one of my favorite things about Transformers is the combiners the guys that merge into something bigger like Devastator was my favorite Bruticus so I feel like Bruticus and I'm running around I'm like and you could grab up other players like you grab up multiple players and then smash them bro it is the most exhilarating feeling ever I love that so the fact that this is a battle royal game with melee with special moves, right? Then what I did, I highly recommend, because you people are gonna play it, get trash, and stop. Mm. Play bot mode. Go the mm. bot mode Humble first. yourself. Humble, learn. You can, and then you start to understand, yo, the, the fighting is super complex. The counter system, they have charge up moves. Then every weapon that you find on the battlefield, extremely unique. I'm gonna fall in love with the nunchucks. The nunchucks, oh, bro. Yeah. Oh, you doing the Bruce Lee flow? With check my Twitter, check my Twitter, and see the clips I'm putting up and what I'm doing to people right now. So once I got my confidence up, right, then I started playing trios with the homie. Shout out to uh, Lord Sinister. Shout out to Lord Volokhov, bro. Trios, the maps close, and they do it in a very Chinese mythology spiritual way. So this is the battle royale for me. This, I have found the battle royale for me. They hit every mm. note. Oh, I'm, addicted. I'm watching you go ham right now. <laughs> bro, look at them. Bro, I'm telling you right now, and it's deep. Count every weapon. Like, this game is way deeper like, than, than you think. It, every weapon has a counter, then the traversal, getting up on rooftops, making tough decisions. Do I, all right. <laughs> you see, you see Bruticus? You see, you see the you see the <laughs> Yeah. Did I grab them up, get the triple kill? Bro, yep. Naraka Blade Point is fire. I'm in. I'm doing my dailies. I love it. Some of the best mm. art style of the cosmetics I've ever seen. The anim- the graphical fidelity on this game. Pete, don't sleep. Pretty amazing. I, I-, I love it. This is my I I my Destiny fans were mad yesterday. But anyway, so Naraka Blade Point. I've been rocking that. I had to jump back on MLB the show. Shout mm. out to those Mets uh, beating the Braves up uh, mm. last two games, winning the series. I like I don't, what I'm saying. I don't see any Brave comments in the LSM uh, stuff today. <laughs> They're learning. They're learning. Bro, dude, I'm getting my lines on. Bro, to a Toba. Almost close to getting the playoff berth in first play. I'm, I'm doing my thing. So, MLB, the show's still going. Um, I'm going to set up cross-play because I want to... I mean, I did it with, the, with, um, with what you call it, with um, Switch. But okay. what I want to do is transition now because got my Steam Deck. Got mm. my Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. So, I've been testing things. So, um, what I want to do is I got to set up the, um, the xCloud... Uh, thing you have to take the little college courses to set this thing up in Linux, but yeah. okay, yeah. I gotta eventually do it. But I actually been messing around. I, I threw up Demio PC edition on it. It looks fantastic. Threw nice. on the greatest 900p game of all time on Let's the Steam, about it. bro. On Steam Deck at 60 frames. 
And mm-hmm. the resolu- I'm like, damn, Ross on the road looks amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it really, and I've been playing XCOM Chimera Squad. That's mm. my baby. So still, still no console port yet. So this is where it's great that I got the Steam Steam Edition playing and having a ball. I really love the Steam Deck. I'm really getting into it, man. I, I'm mad that I missed yeah. out on the episode that you did with Jimmy because, you know, I, I went to his channel. Shout out to Jimmy Champagne. Um, I went to his channel, look at some like key accessories to get for it. And I'm in love so with the helpful. device. Yeah. So oh, helpful. so he's so helpful. ready. Deck, deck ready. ready. Go, check it go out. check the channel. Subscribe. It's it's so cool, man. And it's a grown man's device. But yeah, that's pretty much what I've been rocking. And I, like I said, guys, give Naraka Blade Point a chance. Do bot mode. Play, either play by yourself or play with, oh, I say play with friends. They got trios. Bro. And, and it's the only battle royale. Think about this. Every battle royale you play, everyone's the same. Mm. This is not. It's a fighting. Mm. Everybody's got character. And class. Check it out. Can't say you're both, man. You're yeah, I love I'm to in. see it. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, what I've noticed is there's no, there's been no destiny here yeah, in the what yeah, we're playing yeah, section. So bad. It's, bad. Full, it's pulled you away. The yeah. clan's down bad. Yeah, bad. <laughs> <laughs> what you been doing? What you been rocking? A couple games this week. Um, I didn't write it down, but I, I hopped onto Valorant for the first time in a Ooh. while um, just to mess around. And that in, was fun. In was lieu fun. of a certain announcement? Actually, no, no, just a couple of buddies were on it. I already had it installed. I I forgot I did from the beta days. And so I was just like, all right, let's check it out. I will say again, though, that announcement with Riot is underrated, underappreciated because the unlock paths, I'm almost thinking like I might just wait till then. The amount of awesome looking champs that are in the game that I'm just not going to be able to access. It's like the amount of grinding that's going to require actual money spent, which I'm not interested in doing. It's like. I just might wait until I can use my Game Pass subscription. So, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely calling my name on that regard. So um, I did dabble in that a little bit last night. But the stuff I've been spending the most time with is uh, I really want to talk about this one first. Skyrim Together Reborn. Uh, so Skyrim with the anniversary edition comes out late last year. That's not really what we're talking about here. There's this mod that dropped called Skyrim Together Reborn. They originally tried to do Skyrim multiplayer in 2020. And uh, it had the ideas. The execution just wasn't there. It was pretty buggy and broken, as to be expected. So they go dark. They come back. And now they have this easy-to-set-up mod called Skyrim Together Reborn, where you can literally play online co-op in Skyrim. And I'm talking about, when I say minimal hoops to jump through here, it's literally go on Nexus, Mm -hmm. download, obviously, the mod itself through the Mm -hmm. mod manager, so it automatically does it. You download an address library, automatically does it. I followed a seven-minute tutorial. I want to shout out the YouTuber, Galactic Fever. So they set it up where, uh, you know, you just go into Vortex, you find the client that's got the server, you set it up, you download LogMeIn Hamachi, um, you set up your own server, give your friends an IP address, they connect to your host, and that's literally it. Really? And it sounds like a lot of hoops you got to dive through here, but this is a a five-minute process, tops. really simple to do nice and once you're in there you invite your friends to a party their health bars appear on the top left corner you quest together you progress together they've balanced the game differently and provide different loot for different enemies now and the amount of loot uh, because there's more players in the lobby so now you're getting like 80 gold a drop 
in in the beginning of the game and rat tails are dropping by the fours now because uh you know you have to split it up amongst your party members uh, and they start you off in a master difficulty as well mm -hmm. so what this actually means is like the enemies that are normally really spongy while you're really weak feel really good to fight against because you got three people in my case fighting against them you could go up apparently to eight people we stuck oh, at three okay but uh this has been incredible we played for three hours last night and I, I, I cannot begin to put into words how it, how magical it was. You know, I, I was brought back to 2011. I was thinking to myself, you know, when I first picked up this game, like, yeah, I knew it was a special game. I was so excited for it. It's special to me personally because it was one of the main building blocks to my channel. Like, there's just so much history there for me personally. So I was like, yeah, it's a special game. Gets re-released a bunch of times. But to me, like, the, the, the moment that went maybe go wow this is incredible how far we've come was this mod i'm like we're playing this game that was generation defining and up until elden ring i hadn't experienced anything quite as open as free feeling as skyrim maybe breath of the wild is up there too mm -hmm. but it's a very rare feeling uh, and one that truly captures me in a fantasy world which those two games specifically did uh and this mod now makes it where it's like i can't believe i'm experiencing that with friends mm. and it, it's kind of like a touchstone that i hope bethesda can really take a hard look at and understand when we ask for multiplayer in bethesda games this is what we're asking for the bethesda single player experience with friends i i have questions because this is please, very interesting please fire away. all right so the thing that you gave me how is questing handled like because if you mm. if you know i'm with you you know you're the main person of the whole so to speak and i co-op with you like so it goes by the quest that you pick and then we just do them together and, and okay. that's what's cool is a couple of things number one it does trip up sometimes like sometimes mm. they'll run to me and try to give me the quest when i'm not the party leader but What'll typically happen, or what does happen, is uh, it's instanced to your own save. So what what happens is because I'm hosting the server, mm -hmm. uh, there were times my game crashed while we were playing, mm -hmm. and the the server and the game kept running. It would just move party leaders. Um, so effectively, it's not all totally dependent on one person uh, because it's all tied through to a server. So the way questing works is you would have a party leader. That party leader would handle all the conversations and whatnot. But if I wanted to set a quest marker and go off and do my own thing across the map, I could. Wow. You literally could. Now, what's great is when the game drops out, let's say I, I were to have a crash, which is to be expected. This is like a brand new yeah. mod that's doing something we've never really seen before with the game. Mm -hmm. So they have some kinks to work out. They have so many safety nets in place. Like, of course, the game auto saves a ton. Right. But what they have is not only what I said about the servers, where it's like, okay, like if I drop out, that's okay. Like the game keeps rolling on. No one's getting uh, all jumbled up. What happens, though, is I reconnect to the server. It takes two seconds. Just hit the control button, type in local host. Boom, I'm back in. Invite to the party. When you're in a party, you can bring up a menu and see your friends' names in-game. And you can click a teleport option. And when you do, it brings you straight to them. So let's say mm. we're in a dungeon. I get disconnected. For some reason, I load in outside. Invite me to the party when I'm back in. Bring up the menu. Teleport. Boom, I'm right there, right next to my teammate. That's it. Mm. So it, it just, it just literally, I have to quote Todd Howard here. It just it works. It just works. It, it just, just works. works. Next question. Now, for the ESO community that may come at you mm. and say, well, hey, Maddie, Mr. Maddie plays, this already exists. And, and why yeah. aren't you playing ESO? What do you say to them? Is it more because this is the traditional single player narrative experience and you don't feel you get that from ESO? Because I'm just curious about your ESO in relationship to mm. why you love Skyrim together more. 
Yeah, I guess I don't really worry about that too much because I, I trust that a lot of people who've listened to me over the years know, like, I was a pretty big defender of ESL. Like, when it, even when it came out as Vanilla State, I didn't hate it. I was like, this game has a lot of potential. They did Tamriel Unlimited, and I was beating the war drum of, like, this is a good game. Like, I made tons of videos saying, like, this is good. So I do lean on the fact that I, I trust my community knows I really defended this game during its darkest hours, and now it's it's one of the top MMOs for good reason. But to me, I, I did say in in my video on it that the reason I love this mod so much is is what I said earlier. It's the traditional Bethesda Game Studios experience. I like ESO and it does a good job of replicating that, but it's built as an MMO. Skyrim is built as a single player game that's now playable as multiplayer. Uh, and so I, I just feel like you still have that coziness a bgs game gives you at least gives me uh while being able to play it online and this is it's interesting how how it's a great thing that bethesda could look at because this is what we were expecting for fallout 4 there was rumors that they were looking to do the multiplayer expansion they ended up you know famous last words making fallout 76 a full game instead because they're like this is such a great idea let's make a full game it's like sometimes bigger isn't always better clearly and so yeah, now they can look at this and say, like, this is what people wanted. And if they were to ever do multiplayer, like, let's say Starfield got co-op, if it was the Starfield, like, they built Starfield as a single-player game and said, like, okay, like, we're going to let you bring in an extra friend now, like, that would be what I want personally. So, uh, yeah, I've been playing that. It's been awesome. And I have the Skyrim fever. I mm. really do. You know, it's because it, I've, I've played it. I hope people take it to heart because I've played this game dozens of times. Like I've been mm. making content on this game for a decade. So I've gone through like the Helgen intro, <laughs> Ember Shard Mines, all this shit. Like I've mm. gone through the opening areas, uh, White Run, Bleak Falls Barrow, et cetera, dozens of times. So I imagine people would know I'd probably be not tired of the game, but like, okay, put you down. When I finished Anniversary Edition in my head, I'm like, I'm probably done for a couple of years. No. I think I'm back in because wow. we were playing and we were like really like genuine good time. Mm. And it was awesome. Like we were in white run and one of my friends was on the tanning rack. White I was run. doing some blacksmithing ah. and he was doing the armorer's table. And I was like, yo, this is cool as shit. Like we're all just kind of working away at something <laughs> yeah. in the same world. Kind of Minecraft vibes where you all join the server and the mm. server's hosting the world. So yeah, really good time. Really like sure. it. I, last question. Quick oh, sure. combat. Sure. How was combat when you guys are? You know, I, yeah, it works. It works. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything else I can say. Like, yeah, it, it just, just um, yeah, you like I, I was do I was doing the biggest test of them all, bow and, bow and arrow, mm. and it was hitting fine. No, okay. no issues at all. Fair enough. Sounds dope, man. Indeed. Couple speed bumps. I meant to say this earlier. Uh, you know, like if I open a door that's locked, if I have a key to it, it won't open on their end. So you could use console commands though to open that up and it works fine on their end. So got it. there's ways to work around the game yeah. in general. I got you, I got you. Uh, the other game I've been playing this week, I've been grinding, I should say, especially over the weekend. I, I put hours into this game. Uh, Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age. Uh, I'm doing a replay of this for Retro Rebound. Okay. Uh, a lot of people were really saying, give it a second chance. And and to me, it was like, this is kind of a first playthrough for me, even though I played it five years ago because I was very dismissive of the game. If anyone wants to know what the most disliked Mr. Matty video currently available on YouTube is, and I don't mean by like anecdotal, but statistically Ooh. the most disliked video on my channel, it is my Final Fantasy XII review. Wow. I take that type of stuff to heart. I do. Because... I, I know ratings and, and YouTube responses aren't everything. Like, you can just sometimes catch a crowd of people collectively pissed at once just because. 
but I do put stock into the collective feedback. And a lot of people didn't like that. I was saying this was my worst personal Final Fantasy. Uh, and so I, I still stood by a lot of those points. But a lot of people, as I was progressively on Retro Rebound going through Final Fantasy as a series, were saying, give 12 a second chance. So I was like, all right. Why not? You know, I want to love this game. There's so much about it I thought was good, and I'm pleased to say that uh, coming back to it, I like this game a lot. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. It's a complete 180. I don't love it. There's still some flaws there, but I think in a second playthrough, you're kind of forced to accept, like, this is what it is. Like, it's not going to change because I want something different, so I have to be able to parse between, like, what it is and what I want it to be and where the missteps are. And I think because they wanted the game, it came out in 2006 to be so big, so wide, so open, as many people have played it know, like these environments for PS2 are huge. Nothing like we really ever saw on the console. Seriously impressive for its time. And because they're so big, if you were to put random encounters in there, like in Final Fantasy X, this game would be hundreds of hours long. Yeah, Just terrible sloth. pacing. Yeah. All right, so they decided let's do a combat system that just happens in the open world. And it's kind of got some, you know, I, at first I called it an auto fighter, but as mm. I got deeper into the gambit system where you set up strategies for your teammates and getting into the builds with the licensing and the job system, I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta really put my foot in my mouth here and say like, this kind of reminds me of KOTOR. <laughs> like wow. the combat, the combat, which again, I've, I've been on record of saying KOTOR's combat isn't great. So that's not to say this combat is great, but once I started looking at it like that, I was like, this genuinely is. Like you get close to an enemy, you have a set of abilities you can choose from whatever you want. It's auto fighting while you're doing all that stuff. You can pause the action when you want to really sift out your options. Like everything that's there, KOTOR has. And I'm like, well, why can I like KOTOR but not this? And once I kind of accepted that part of myself and what the game was, I've come to really enjoy it a lot. So uh, the story's Story wasn't bad in the first place, but taking a second look at it, you realize how mature, politically driven it is. And uh, there are definitely some spots where they try to stretch it out. But this yeah. is during a time where, again, I think we see it a lot with open world games today. But this is where a lot of JRPGs felt they had to be 80 yeah. to 100 oh, hours yeah. at, oh, during yeah. this era. Right before Ooh. that, it's funny because like JRPGs like Chrono Trigger, one of the most famous JRPGs, 20 hours. If that, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, I think JRPGs fell into this identity in like the PS2, PS3, you know, Xbox, Xbox 360 gen of like they had to be huge and uh, they don't. Um, so you see a little bit of that in this game for sure. But uh, I'll save the rest of my thoughts for Zodiac or for a retro rebound because it's going to be a long video. Shout oh, out yeah. to Lockmore for doing all the editing on that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm, I am enjoying it more. So I'm 26 hours in. Um, okay. Probably going to finish it up this week. Impressive for you to go back to it. That's what's up. Now let's talk with Caleb Clanton for our first warm-up question. I picked six this time around because, again, news is a little slow, and we had a bonus one that I really liked at the end of this. Hey, Dukes, with the trailer and release date of Skull and Bones being revealed, what are your thoughts on the game since it had such a rocky development? Thanks, Maddie and Cog, for the show. And having I just failed my max at the gym and had the yell help kind of day. Have you, have you ever had to do that? <laughs> I never had to do it, but I, I'm the guy that comes to the rescue. Like, I'm the guy. Mm, oh, because, really? Yeah, because what it is is, dudes I can see like a lot of guys coming in with the ego and they feel they gotta put in you know I gotta put on like three how many you, you always know how many plates you doing bro mm. whenever you get that guy that's asking you those questions all the time a lot of times it's an ego thing with these guys and they, they mm. want to show everybody and they're, they're the grunt guy every set every rap and 
those are the guys that go under the rope. Help! <laughs> so I, I look, and sometimes you see them struggling. Everybody said, I'll come by, my bro, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. But yo, just tell me if you need, you know what I'm saying, the spot or not, because keep, keep your ego out of it. That's why I always do things in a controlled yep. fashion. But yeah, so that, that's a funny kind of day. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. But to the question, um, yeah, Skull and Bones. I saw it. Coming out November 8th. Yeah. I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I feel. There's there's a part of me mm-hmm. when it was first announced, I'm like, oh, this might be for me, the mature, you know, Sea of Thieves, you know, a little darker, a little Ubisoft, little baby back black flag vibe, you know, and I guess look, graphically it looks okay. You know, I, I was watching the you know, the the reveal and I guess my own my disconnect comes from it doesn't look like you're on this boat. The, the advantage of these has is that like you can get off the boat and you can quest and do stuff. To me, this is strictly, okay, you're going to get on the boat. This is with your crew, ship to ship combat. So it's a different take on it. I'm not attacking it from it. It was just a little different from what I expected. Mm-hmm. And um, I do like, you know, progression. I do like that aspect because that's my only knock against Sea of Three. And I know it. My boy is going to come for me. Ben is going to come. Yes, I know Sea of has progression. But what I'm talking about is making where I have a weapon that's better than your weapon or you level mm-hmm. up and get a gun that's better as opposed to cosmetic progression. But I don't know, man. I I don't know if it's going to take the crown from Sea of Three. I got to see. Yeah. I got to see because to me, Sea of Thieves is just doing so much. And then... The thing CFDs has is the fun factor with the homies. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you know, you at the bottom, throw somebody in the brig, you're laughing, you're dead. Like it's a thing. Like Skull and Bones, yeah, it's multiplayer, but correct me if I'm wrong, Maddie. Like each person has their thing and their crew. And I don't know. I, I, I got to see. I got to see. But I, I'm not all the way sold on it like I initially was when I first heard about it way back and then they disappeared. So I don't know. That's the thing is like back then I was even less sold on it because we were closer to black flag at that time. And, and to me, just taking a division of a game that did so much more and just saying, well, we're going to make a whole game about that. I was like, when we saw it, I thought this looks like black flag without the on foot exploration. So what are you trying to sell us? That was the reality. They go dark for a while. I'm like, this game actually might be canceled. Comes back, and we see the on-foot exploration. So they did build a lot of this back from the ground up, trying to take initial feedback. But the biggest thing that they didn't do was any form of melee combat, any form of gun combat. And I can't help but look at it and say, like, you clearly took a look at Sea of Thieves when you should have taken a look at what Sea of Thieves isn't doing. And that's like trying to be maybe a pirate RPG, uh, trying to be a single player pirate game of some kind. Um, just because I feel like there is a huge gap there to do that and have your own adventure where one of the biggest complaints about Sea of Thieves is really that people are getting like harassed. Like you can't opt out of the PVP and all that stuff. So you have to server hop sometimes, which you know, I- I'm guilty of this, by the way. Last time I played Sea of Thieves, me and my friends were just yelling into the megaphone, hunting down ships. It is fun to be the hunter, but yes. I understand the desire of people wanting to just play the game. And I feel like Ubisoft did what Ubisoft does. They saw something, they ripped it off as best as they could instead of thinking beyond the touchstone. Every game has a touchstone. When you start designing a game, you look at a game and go, 
I like that so much, or I'm inspired by that so much. I want to make something like that, but you don't make exactly that. And I'm not saying this is exactly Sea of Thieves, right. but you you try to evolve what it's doing and do things it's not doing, so you stand apart. But Ubisoft loves to be in people's shadows, so they make Skull and Bones, and quite honestly, it looks as unappealing as a pile of shit. Like I'm just not into it, so I'm good. Pass. <laughs> Hard pass. Yeah, Hard pass. Uh, so I'm curious. We, we got to speak to Ben. I'm curious what his his opinions is on this game. I, I'm probably not going to move him from CNTs, but I get, I'm very I, curious. I, I get particularly annoyed with Ubisoft because, again, I, I usually didn't care about them. I was very accustomed to their ways. But once I did, and I'm not trying to shout out my own work too hard here, but I did a video called The Dark Age of Ubisoft, and it was like a big 30-plus minute project, really getting intimate with the games they used to make, uh, especially in like the early 2010s the late oh, 2000s yeah. and, and seeing like how great they were as a publisher and a developer because they were risk takers and it's like they found assassin's creed they made assassin's creed 2 and they just got really passive from there and they found far cry 3 which is like a step forward for open world gaming and they got really passive from mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. and just kept redoing it and it's frustrating to watch because yeah. i look at something like they're doing now with mario and rabbit sparks of hope one of my most anticipated games of the year I'm just like, this is the Ubisoft I love. Like, this is the creative Ubisoft we know and love. But then they do something like Skull and Bones where I'm just like, you guys can't help yourselves. Like, is there any confidence in the creativity or is there too much involvement in upper management like we've read before where they're really like deciding what you're going to do? It's, I don't know. It's really unfortunate. I'm with you, bro. You nailed it. I think that's exactly what it is. They've become very formulaic. And I feel like once they started to get a taste of success it almost felt like the call of duty energy where we have to keep bringing this back and then in this template and also cat what i call try to catch a wave what's the new hot thing that everybody's doing okay we need one of those right yeah and then yeah. but it lacks the soul sometimes of what they used to do creatively and last what i'll say is just that do you see that release date mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. november 8th mm-hmm. this year you can see who else is coming out that week that's oh, cool. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot. Yeah. As me, ILP, Skull and Bones is outside. They they yeah. feel confident going mm-hmm. against God of War. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ragnarok. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Dude, it's just, you, you put it perfectly that they, they kind of create these soulless games that are trying to do what other games are doing. And I think of things like The Crew, looking at Forza Horizon. I think of things like Hyperscape. Oh, we need our Battle Royale. It's just, it's frustrating, man. It's really frustrating to watch companies go down this route because it just shrinks more and more of what AAA game development could be. And and if people wonder why Elden Ring was such a triumphant game, it's because it felt like a risk taker in a very popular space where you don't see risks being taken. You just see that in the indies and then they see what the indies are doing and go, okay, we know people like this. How do we do it bigger and better? And I get it. Game is getting more expensive as a medium you know, risk. it's it's a higher risk. Yeah. So you have to lower, you have to mitigate the yeah, risk. risk. Yeah. So I, I understand, but it's uh, it's frustrating for a company that has had so much success experimenting quite like Ubisoft. And um, the only time they've, they've really flopped, I can think of uh, as of late is, you know, with like something like Phoenix Rising, uh, yeah. Immortals Phoenix Rising, where it's like, yeah, you sandwich that game with, uh, let's see here, Watch Dogs Legion and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So mm. no one's going to play, unless you're a reviewer like I was, and play three open world games in a span mm. of a month. <laughs> that was a fun time in 2020. Whew. Shout out to the pandemic. Had nothing else to do. Bro, shout out to you for the con- uh, even attempting that. Salute. <laughs> I didn't finish Immortals Phoenix Rising. I said that in my review. I, didn't, I, I played 10 hours. I was like, this is the same shit, even though it's a new IP. 
Anyway, I'm don't. being mean now, so let's move on. <laughs> Vonoran is up next. Maddie Cog. Judgment Day for the digital future is upon us. Cog, King's topic on ILP about PlayStation removing content from people's movie library was a wake-up call. Now Ubisoft is pulling Assassin's Creed Liberation HD from people's libraries on Steam come September, which just want to submit a quick correction here because we did add some write-ins. That's not what's happening. Ubisoft has made it clear they're not going to revoke the game from your library. It will be playable, but that does not end the conversation. Anyway, continuing on, Maddie, we know how you preach for physical media, but now that companies, as King phrased it, are coming into our homes and robbing things we bought, what is the proper solution? Should we consider government regulations for an option? Cog, what's the uh, what's the vibe for you here? How are you feeling about uh, continuing on with big bro Ubisoft here, who uh, has been at the forefront of this conversation with we talked about last week very briefly, and I did definitely go way easier on them than I probably should have about the DLC and whatnot, because you were like, we got to talk about this, and I was the one who was more lax. I was like, Duke Physical is very, very quiet. <laughs> I'll explain why again, but yeah, I, you know, now seeing that plus AC Liberation, I feel has broadened the conversation more, and so I, I apologize that I was, I was slacking on my Duke Physical route here, but Cog, I want to know how you're feeling about the near miss that was AC Liberation getting taken down from Steam was potentially unplayable. To me, it read more like Ubisoft was, when they submitted their comment, walking back on a decision they were absolutely making here, uh, which was revoking a game from people and making it unplayable. And how you're feeling about, I think, the all-digital future being a little closer, you know, when we look at, again, the the digital first, then we get the motherload edition, and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Uh, How are you feeling about things getting closer to that and what we're seeing from companies to... Maybe not get ahead of the curve and prepare gamers properly. Yeah, I, I, man, I've, I'm coming full. But my eyes are opening. You know, it's Duke Digital. My eyes are opening, and, and when something doesn't smell right and it doesn't feel right, I have to speak on. My conscience speaks to me and says, "Yo, that." Mm-mm. And and to me, this is definitely reactive on their part, right? In all intents and purposes, they had every intention to pull this game. And then we've seen the, the, the actions from multiplayer games in their stable and removing that kind of stuff. And I have a problem with it. I have a problem with the fact that, hey, we paid for this. You know, I understand server accounts and I understand, you know, things of that nature. But it's like mm-hmm. the gamer really doesn't want to hear it if you pay for that experience. They want to play that game. And and my concern is, especially with Ubisoft, and I'm not just trying to single them out, but they're they're the subject of my wrath right now. But the the reality is I I want this to be a wake-up call that don't think you're going to take stuff away and then you go and just repurpose it in a remastered version and shut off the old versions. That's Mm -hmm. the vibe I'm getting. And shout out to Mr. Matty Plays because I watched your video and you, you really talked about the dark side of it. And, and I have to admit, I'm I'm coming around. I, I don't mm. like it. I don't like it. And, and this is the side I think as gamers, we got to fight a little bit for. Now, as far as government regulation, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the proper channels to go. You know, I would... This is probably be a good DDU for us to get Mr. Hogue Law on, you mm. know, and maybe I'll reach out and, and mm. talk about it because the thing is, I understand, you know, licensing issues, right? That I could understand on some level. You you bought a game and at the time they paid for licensed music or a licensed thing and that license ran out. Mm-hmm. As much as I don't like it, I understand that as a reason for why something can't be brought back. But when you take a whole mode, a whole game, bro, I struggle with that. And now we're seeing the PlayStation movie thing that happened in other countries. And granted, I get it. 
but we as gamers have to be on it. And I, I, I think this is something we really need to bring a little bit more light. I think it's going under the radar and nobody's really talking about it too much. And I, mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I'm, I'm glad this, this subject came back up. Yeah. Uh, on the front of government regulation in video games is something we probably want to steer pretty clear of as much as possible. We don't want to have another hand in the cookie jar. Good point. Good point. Um, you know, especially we've seen how sometimes game ratings are handled outside of the U.S. And I just yeah. think that, um, yeah, you know, it, it's just opening up a can of worms because it's not going to stop at that. So it's definitely not something people I feel should be calling for. Otherwise, though, on the note of your question with Ubisoft, I want to start off by retreading Back to last week where I was very much like, oh, it's just DLC. It's just online servers. That type of stuff to me still, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, um, but online servers for multiplayer experiences, I understand closing down. You can't keep them up forever. Uh, to me, what it does speak to, though, is is the cycle will begin anew in 10 more years when they start to shut down games that are coming out right around now and so on and so forth. And I think that's what started to speak to me more. I was like, OK, it's not a big deal now, uh, but do we have the proper things in place? Like they remastered Assassin's Creed 3, right? All the AC games got a nice remastered Ezio collection, all that stuff, but they never brought the multiplayer forward. So it's one of those things where I'm like, now you're not preserving something by design. And that is frustrating as a consumer. And then when you see them taking a game that is single player in Assassin's Creed Liberation HD on Steam and saying effectively that we wouldn't at first be able to access it, even if you owned it, by the way, as King would say, yeah, they are kind of going into your house and robbing you of the thing you bought. And my personal thought was, I don't know the mindset of any of these companies that are starting to feel like they can take something that a consumer paid for and be like, you can no longer access this anymore and i'm not talking i'm talking on a single player front by the way like you paid for a product that has no effect on any of our servers or anything but we're just going to revoke access Mm -hmm. for it it just to me makes no goddamn sense and i think we're starting to walk into more and more of a renter society in general by the way with the way the economy is but now we're starting to see it really creep into games with prices going up. Subscription services are more alluring. Again, we gotta, we're very big proponents of Game Pass, but we got to watch out. Like, Absolutely. I'm not saying it's going to hurt sales of games. We just talked about TMNT. Absolutely. Million sales. Clearly, it's doing fine. But we got to be careful about like how we're progressing as an industry because I think what's starting to happen is things are getting so expensive that we're trying to look for ways to, again, mitigate that risk. Mm-hmm. Subscription services being one of them. And I could totally see a situation where Ubisoft goes, well, we're not going to make it for sale there, but just like Nintendo Switch Online does, oh, over here in Ubisoft Plus, we got we got AC Liberation, HD, and all these other things. Like, come on over. I'm not going to put it past any of these companies. They've shown the willingness to monetize backwards compatibility. The only one who hasn't is Xbox, but then Xbox has their own issue with DRM. Uh, and it's, you know, the cog, cog the video you're referring to is the one I may just call, I think gaming's getting worse right now. Like, I don't think for all the positives it's bringing that's very exciting like game pass like cloud distribution share play shared save files in the cloud that type of stuff the steam deck i think the list for things that are getting worse is growing far beyond the positives right now and it's not just me being a boomer going like please you know print my game discs please it's it's just more so we're not doing a good job at preserving the things we love and companies are so focused on the dollar sign because the industry's grown so much that they're saying, well, oh, well, you know, we're, we're here to make the next buck, not worry about sustaining these things that uh, people care about. It's just about what's the new fad. And 
it it makes it kind of sad. It really does. It does. It does. It does. And um, like I said, all all I think about is experiences that I love, and the potential that it just goes away, right? And, mm-hmm. and there's no way you're at the mercy, so to speak, you know, yeah. it, it, of not being able to restore it back. And we we have to pay attention to this stuff. This is this is, we understand this business. We understand, mm-hmm. you know, you can't keep the lights on servers with the you know the population is whatever, but. I highly, I, I really agree with you on the single player front. Like something taken away in that way, yeah, that that doesn't that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, and I, I look at you know if you want to just go ahead and go, okay, Ubisoft doesn't matter because they didn't do it. It's like, well, Metal Gear Solid still hasn't been relisted since I think last November. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jump Force is just not for sale anymore, which I know Jump Force sucks by the way. But like, look, I'm just saying in general, like we're talking about a game that on its own, when the servers are off, is still a fighting game. With a ton of shonen characters, someone may think that someone may think that's cool. The fact yeah. that it's just outright not for sale anymore is insane to me, and people are just okay with it. Like I get yes. it, Jump Force is whack, so you're like, oh, whatever. But the fact that we're setting the precedent that it's okay that you have stopped providing serv- sales for something, not even service, but sales. Is insane. And I started doing research about other games. I'm thinking like right away, my head went to Fallout. I'm like, Fallout has a ton of licensed music. The reason that um, Metal Gear Solid got taken down was they used a historic video they had a license for. Yes. License was up. So I imagine if they can figure that out, that will get relisted. But this also affects the, the used games market severely, increases the prices on that. But I immediately thought of Fallout and started looking into like their musical license deals. I'm like, they use a ton of 50s tracks. And oh, yeah. how do the copyright laws work for that? Like, how often do they have to renew these types of things? And I'm not quite sure how it works. And that's the thing. We kind of sit in limbo where I doubt this will happen to such a popular franchise that people are still playing. But it does call those questions up with good reason of like, will this go away someday? How can we preserve this? And so I think it's up to the companies that are in place to maintain that and allow them to thrive as they currently do. Um, Again, I'm not calling for Ubisoft to leave Splinter Cell blacklist servers online so 10 people can play it. More so the single player stuff, which I'm seeing fall off the face of the earth. I feel what you're saying, bro. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rubanos is our third right in What up, Dukes? Over the past months, I've noticed the same studios in the Xbox first party get most of your attention. Obsidian, Bethesda, Arcane, etc. One studio, however, and I think this is very fair, by the way, rarely gets mentioned. The Mighty Id. This team revitalized and revolutionized the FPS genre with not one, but two incredible releases last generation. I could praise Doom alone for hours, but I think its potential has yet to be reached. Whatever they do next for Xbox will be a huge boom, assuming exclusivity i'd like to know your thoughts on it and how you feel about doom 2016 and eternal thanks as always boys and have a a illegitimate child save my ass kind of day 
Ja, dat ik kan voor weer wat zeggen. Wees jij like the story? Ik ga geen gol laten, you know. It was, it was what it was. It was a dark place for me. I had to do things that I wasn't proud of. I told my friends that story. They were dying. I was like, I was like, that's one of the best stories I think I ever heard. Oh, it's my son. Damn, man. Shout out to Ramirez. Oh, yeah. Look, he's right. It doesn't get its flowers. I guess. Let me ask you this question because I, I know why I do it, but I'm because mm-hmm. you're you're you know you're Duke Bethesda in my mind. So it's like for me, the reason why I don't mention them is because I could I have this thing where I consider ZeniMax Bethesda like one entity, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all Bethesda. But the reality is, no, it's machine games. It's this, that, that. Yeah. And I always lose them in that mix. But he's right. Like, come on, Doom changed the game. Like, Doom is. Sure. I'm talking about Doom from way back first changed the game. Oh, yes. yes. And then now we got what we have. And ret- I mean, t- come on. Like, I, I, I can't speak enough about like literally God tier FPS play. Mm-hmm. Right. Fast paced twitch. The music's rocking. It's just it's, it's very dude bro and I like it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. but, and, 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 you know, you got the metal rips and you're going, you're ripping heads and you're having fun and you're having a romp, but it's the feel. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're, they're the OG. So they were a perfect marriage for Xbox, you know, in, in the yes. sense of, you know, the shooter box, so to speak, or the FPS genre. And Xbox always does well. Yeah, I'm looking to see what they, they cook up. You know, I, I guess I'm not, I wasn't even worried about them. My main thing is I look at them differently in the sense that I want other studios who may have graphical issues or may have FPS genre issues and they're doing something. I want them to go talk to them in and learn mm. about that tech, collaborate work with them to get your stuff up. That's mm-hmm. how I look at them because I already look at them as, you know, my, I have reverence, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. where I'm at. But where are you at with it and like, what do you want to see them do? Why you, you think we don't mention them enough or you don't mention them enough? Like, where do you sit? Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of not mentioning them enough. And I, I think it's because to me, they've made one good game and one amazing game. I was kind of in the middle on Doom 2016 when it first came out. I thought that the progression if you will of how they rolled out guns to you really fell off a cliff at the end of the game and the last couple hours were just kind of like in a cycle rinse and repeat and to me that felt less fun i think the multiplayer for that game is criminally underrated though uh however when doom eternal came around i think they got it because that progression was up until literally the very end of the game not only that but the way you recycled your your armor your health and the executions you could do the, they they did perfect or perfect they perfected sorry i can't speak right now because it's so good they perfected the moment-to-moment decision making in a first-person shooter where it's like do i need you quickly look do i need health do i need armor pop like hand right through the chest and it's a satisfying loop as you're flipping between weapons and constantly reevaluating scenarios every moment there's no shooter really like doom eternal where you're just on a slip and slide around these arenas just switching switching from a shotgun to a sniper two-piece in everyone Awesome game, right? So to me, I think the reason I don't bring them up as often is because I love Doom Eternal, but to me, Doom 2016 needed a lot of work. It needed to get, to improve more. And um, I also thought Doom 2016 was far too long. Um, I think that tw- Eternal did a good job of like keeping it fresh, interesting. And so I really, really liked that game a lot. I called it one of the best FPS of the last generation. Still stand by that. That game's phenomenal. So I think that's why I don't bring them up as often, but I know we bring them up a lot 
when we really look at the whole studios as a game studio, we're very excited about for their future because we hear the rumors about Quake, but I also think of the IP Xbox could lend them that they could, I mean, come on, Halo would be awesome to see with it. Now, the, the issue is like Halo is a very deliberate movement system, right? It's not as fast as anything it makes, uh, but if they could find a happy medium there, or justify why a Master Chief-like character is all over the level on the level of Doom, I would be gung-ho for that. And I feel like, you know, Doom's done well for them, but that would really big-time put them on the map if they could take a major IP up there with, currently with Halo and just really go crazy with it. Uh, I feel like I did Doom a, a disservice as an IP by saying that, but hopefully people understand what I'm trying to say there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think their future is extremely bright. I can't, out of a lot of the Xbox studios, this is one I, I really can't wait to see what they are working on. But it's fair that we definitely don't bring them up nearly enough. No, it's it, it's it's true. I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, I think that they're, they're going to cook up something nice. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just a matter of time. And But I, I personally just want more collaborative stuff like with them and, and utilizing properties. I know we talked about this in previous Dukes about like crossover type scenarios with mm-hmm. characters. And yeah, I'd love to see a Master Chief in the universe. So, you know, something mm-hmm. like just something fun. I just want Xbox to do something where we really take a step back and we go, whoa, the Doom Slayer yeah. and the Chief together doing something yep. like crazy, you know? I would love that. Mm hmm. Number four goes to G-Schools. Greetings, the almighty Dukes. With Sony announcing God of War for November this year and Xbox having no major AAA release this holiday, which third-party game that is confirmed or games should Xbox push for day one Game Pass? Or what game do you think will get a surprise drop such as Avowed or Hellblade 2? Now, I'm just going to say, I think the latter part's probably not happening. I already shot my load on that one, so I, I don't think I could do it again. Or is Xbox happy with the rest of the year schedule knowing that 2023 is going to finally be their year? Thanks for recommending The Last Ronin, Maddie. Fantastic read and story. Hope mm. you have a cog mentioned Crusader Kings 3 a few weeks ago, and now you're heavily addicted again. Kind of yeah, day. Yeah, getting your marriages on, getting the kingdom going. <laughs> All right. It is addictive, man. I have to admit, it's very addictive. Yes, it is. Uh, so, so, yeah, I was just going to ask that uh, we covered the angle really because our, our write-in last week was focusing on you know, is God of War a jab to Xbox? And we quickly put that one to bed. But we didn't really talk about should Xbox seek an answer to this? And if what they have in place right now with really a plague tale high on life sitting there in the fall, is that an answer? Um, do you foresee more there at all? Um, Not really. <laughs> we talked mm-hmm. about this in uh, our amazing uh, crossover episode with the symbol. Shout out to the Sacred Boys. Yeah, like, I just think it's a situation where it's just you're going to have to hold down the fort, bro. You know yep. what you did. You know what happened. We all know what happened. There's no need to keep, you know, regurgitating the, the, the delay. But I don't think there's anything you can do. I, I just, I'm, I'm in a new mindset now. And my mindset is it's not like I'm not going to give them, you know, fury. Like, yo, you know, it, it sucks that you guys didn't have major first party releases this year. I'm not letting them off the hook. No. Mm-hmm. But what I, I'm looking at is, okay, I'm looking at this lineup objectively. And I, I'm coming around, Maddie. I, I think there are hidden gems here. I think there there's nothing boombastic that's gonna be like, oh my god. But I listen. I'm playing the Rocket Blade Point like I'm, like it's no tomorrow. Like you know what I'm saying? Like y'all goes. I'm gonna talk a little bit about my um Game Pass pick of the week later. Um, there's about four or five games on this list that if they execute in the with the potential that we think they have, 
they're going to be decent games. Now, they're nothing, nothing they're doing is going to compete with God. Let's just get that out right quick. Yes. So you're going to, I mean, they will have to hold the L and that's mm-hmm. it. But the, the key is this. As long as the games that come out execute and are good, they'll be okay. Gamers forget. That's one thing. As far as like, you know, yo, when this major catastrophe happened, as long as you produce that next thing that you actually delay and it's great, they'll be mm-hmm. fine. And then obviously mm-hmm. what we're waiting for is 2023. So that's where I'm at with it. You know, it's, it's an unfortunate situation that they're in, but I just think they're going to have to hold the fort down. And hopefully a lot of these games that they had listed on 2022 actually hit and play well. Yeah. Uh, I'm right there with you. Nothing else to add. They, they're they just going to hold the L this year, egg on the face, and just, you know, they got to stomach it. I think they have some good answers, some hidden gems that potentially are there. I think Plague Tale Requiem looks like the marquee title, if you will, like the one that is a high-quality guarantee at the very least. But, yeah, you might have to do a little bit of digging to find what's popping on Xbox. Uh, and that could be both rewarding and frustrating. But I think the other exception is maybe not, hey, this will compete with God of War, but probably internally they're looking at it as what can be on a Starfield level, what can be on a Redfall level. And I don't think anything can. So you just take the L. You just got to take it. And yeah. I mean, again, if, if they end up pushing and saying, OK, uh, you know, we see God of War here. Let's get I'm going to beat the drum here again. Gotham Knights. Great. That is exciting, but I'm personally not expecting anything. Same. Like, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not expecting anything, but if, hey, they want to throw a bag at Gotham, they want to throw a bag at Midnight Suns and game, mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm not going to say no. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. So that, that's how I'm looking at it. We may get a, the best I feel they could do for 22 is like you just said, may get a surprise Game Pass third party inclusion announcement. Yeah. Like that's late in the year. Late you know, in the year. Two yeah. months, a month away where it can't cut off the pre-orders, like out, Outriders style type of announcement. So Bad analogy, like very late, because that announcement yeah. came very, people, the pre-orders, the physical was already done, and then it came, boom, out of nowhere. That mm-hmm. kind of bit. Yeah, I yeah. So I foresee maybe that, but nothing really else. All right. Uh, next write-ins from Michael. We got a couple write-ins about this game. Hey, Dukes, have you guys heard of a game coming to Xbox sometime this year called Hypercharge Unboxed? It's a game that has been out for a couple of years on Steam before getting announced that it was coming to Xbox. It wasn't really getting any recognition, but recently it seems like some Xbox fans have really started to give this game a boost of life. I was watching some trailers for this, and it seems like a very unique shooter that I'm actually looking forward to now. Have you guys seen it? If so, what are your thoughts on the game and the sudden boost in player count on Steam even before it releases on Xbox? Thanks, and have a I'm-going-to-play-a-toy-story shooter kind of day. Cog, have you seen this game? Yeah, yeah, man. It looks nice. It's, it's fun. It's It's like... You know, 90s nostalgia in a toy store, having fun. You know, I didn't even realize that there was a single player campaign that they're going to be adding to mm-hmm. it. It looks fun, man. I, I the, the sandbox looks absolutely hilarious. It looks like a ton. It's a unique concept. And I, I got a shout out. Who was it? It was Colt Eastwood's timeline I saw. And I was like, oh, OK. And I see people get behind it and stuff like that. Yeah, it looks cool. Um, Can't wait to, to play it. I'm hearing positive things internally. That's That's what I can say internally i'm hearing positive things internally internally in reference to who in in reference to the game (laughs) Ah. Ah. i'm hearing things so we'll see yeah it it reminds me of a game that i played on the n64 uh or what was it 
Oh my God, Army of Men. No, not no, Army no, of Men. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Hold on, I got. I got to look this up real quick. Ooh. Toy Soldier and Nintendo 64 game. Let's let's see if that yields any results here. Uh, Army Men, Sarge's Heroes. That's it. Ooh. The Army Men series was awesome because you'd run around these environments like your kitchen, and you would you would play a, a third person shooter. Uh, there was a game I found. Uh, that was a third-person shooter on Steam years ago, around 2015, called The Mean Greens, uh, which was a also toy-based shooter, uh, third-person, and it was really fun. I remember playing online with a couple of friends. Uh, this looks like the new wave of that, uh, but it's a first-person shooter, and uh, it looks higher quality, for sure, higher budget, uh, and I'm very interested in this one. So I can see why it's going viral. It's got a concept that I don't think a ton of people maybe are familiar with, because it's you know, we're talking about back in 94, oh, yeah. 95, something like that. So old game, uh, but looks really cool and mm-hmm. excited that it's coming to Xbox. Yeah. And I like it's unique. It's just colorful. Mm-hmm. It's unique looking. Got to give a game like that a shot. Absolutely. All right, Cog. Last question before we get into the news comes from VDRCC. Hi there, Dukes. Since Atlas just put Persona everywhere, not just Xbox, isn't it more Atlas finally stopped being Atlas more than Xbox fought hard to get them? It looks like the decision was entirely made by Atlas alone. I don't know if I can give Phil and the team credit for it. Please have a just arrived at the hotel for my vacation and immediately have to leave because the entire surrounding forest is burning kind of day. That's terrible. Yeah, that that's terrible. bad. That's bad. Yeah, I know, I know some people that were going through that. Uh, shout out to VDRCCC. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I disagree. Um, mm-hmm. Look. I understand his overall thought process that, you know, Atlas is opening it up because obviously, you know, Persona's on Switch, stuff like that. But this is how I look at it. You know, historically, they their actions have shown not to really play ball with Xbox or anybody, per se. When I look at mm-hmm. the deal in Game Pass, the way it's structured and how that's coming, in my opinion... The key to this situation to me is not Atlas. (laughs) The key to this situation is your boss. Your boss Mm -hmm. tells you what to do. Sega, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So if you were staunch in your way, and let's just say for whatever reason, whether it be resources, let's say legitimately resources, they just said, hey, you know, we don't really feel the effort is worth it to put it on Xbox or whatever, other platforms. And let's just say they had this great relationship with PlayStation. You can't tell me in good faith that Sega partnering with Microsoft, Sega utilizing uh, the Azure servers for the Super Game Initiative, Sega consistently praising Microsoft, how great the Game Pass relationship mm-hmm. from a boss level standpoint, right? It's like Satya, Satya and, and, and Phil, right? If somebody wants to get Phil to do something, I say Phil staunch on not doing something, but if someone wants to get Phil to do something, you go to Satya. And then mm-hmm. if Phil had a stance that was one way for a long time, and all of a sudden Satya is the one like, yeah, I think we should do this thing that's opposite your stance, and then all of a sudden Phil changes stance, I'm going to lead to believe that your boss had influence. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's what I'm rolling with. I don't have any concrete evidence, right? I, don't, I can only go by what I am seeing. And to me, since that announcement that we got destroyed for, on defining Duke Ultimate. <laughs> oh, Dukes, you guys are blowing it up. This is just servers. What are you? There's no games involved with this. I heard this for months. I saw the comments. Mm-hmm. I read them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and look what's happening. So to me, it's a positive step. I don't want to poo-poo it. And I think we got to give credit. 
even though, like to Maddie's point, everything's not perfect with Japanese games and there's games that miss and we get frustrated. We rightfully call them out looking at you, Mega Man. I think we have also <laughs> on the flip side have to give credit where credit is due in an area they have historically been. People said Persona would never hit an Xbox console. Nintendo, I could actually would have saw that before Xbox, to be honest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's where I stand on it. But I'm curious what you feel. Yeah, I, I, I actually kind of agree with where VDR CCC is. Ooh. I've, I've, uh, you, you saw gradually since that announcement, I've started to lean back in this direction of like, I kind of don't trust Xbox still. The Mega Man thing happens that sort of like plants the seed of doubt. And then I see this and yeah, as someone who's been like following Atlas for years, everyone always says what VDRCC says, which is like, they're just being Atlas. That's always the excuse when they do something that's just so out of this world, nonsensical, like we're not porting at the time Persona Persona 4 Golden anywhere, but we're going to bring Arena Ultimax out, which is literally a sequel story to Persona 4 Golden. We're going to make that available on more consoles, but like PlayStation fans, you're not going to have Persona 4. Nintendo Switch fans, you're not going to have Persona 4, but you'll have the sequel story. It's like those types of decisions that you call an Atlas decision. And so I kind of co-signed the idea of like, since it's not just Xbox, because at first when it was presented to us, it was like, okay, we're bringing this to Xbox. It's already on PlayStation. But then you see it come to Switch as well in a separate announcement. I'm like, all right, so I want everyone to get in on the fun, but was this an Xbox moment or was this a Atlas is bringing things to other platforms and they had the opportunity to kind of have that moment, that pledge, if you will. I think, yes, money had to be exchanged here to make it happen. We've seen numerous times how Xbox has been skipped over again recently Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection um, but you, they, to me they still got trust to earn I don't know how else to say it I don't want to pose the not good enough goalpost moving but I, I really got to see like a I can't believe it level deal uh, like something like Wolong is up there Kojima we've known for a while so maybe that maybe that softened the blow right we've known about that for months uh, but I just I don't know, Cog. I got trust issues with the box. I got trust issues with the box. I feel it. I feel you. I totally disagree, but I feel you because you're going through it right now. And and I understand being on your side of like, yo, why my joint? Why, why, why am I the discrepancy on my game that's not here? What, what is going on? And I get that. There's, there's legitimacy to that because I I don't have a a good answer for why the Mega Man, you know, Mm -hmm. collection thing is not there. I just. I just I feel like we gotta be careful, man, because it's like, look, I get it. You know, is it a hundred percent? No, but it's like if you went from getting nothing from a significant other or somebody you was interested in, right? You got absolute they act like you not in the room and here comes son, hey, hey boo, hey big hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like and to me, Xbox was always left out, right? So I get it. Is it perfect? No, they're still some weird gaps here and there. But I th- if I looked at it collectively as a whole, objectively, there's more good that has happened with the Xbox Japanese game front overall mm-hmm. than that areas that we can point out and say negative. But I, I get your trust issues. I just say, just wait and see, man. I'm going, I'm, we go That's where I'm this. at. I'm not displeased, right? Yeah. I, I want to make that clear. It's not like I'm upset with their efforts. They are trying. You can at mm-hmm. least see that. And this felt like a statement. And I'm going to still take it as a statement, as I said, when the showcase dropped. But I will say that as we start to kind of sift through the announcements that have happened afterwards, mm-hmm. 
I, yeah, I wonder sometimes. I'm like, all right, and you didn't get Mega Man either. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, I know, yeah, I know. But, but my thing is, hmm? I, I, <laughs> listen, I feel you. My thing is, Atlas gotta they checks gotta get cut. Mm-hmm. At some point, you can play. They can play Atlas as Atlas all they want. There's a boss here, and, and the relationships are, are changing. And sometimes it's a process, man. It's a, it's yes. a process. To- I do believe that. Why I trust Atlas kind of woke up. I think mm-hmm. it was happening because they they were very surprised. They said they were, but that's the thing. I gotta stop myself. Let's go. See, the Sega CEO had Ooh. said they were surprised at how well Persona Four Golden sold with its port, and I'm like, y- y'all just didn't know what you had. Is that Honestly, it? I, I mean, you know what it feels like to me, and I'm guessing, right? It feels like it's a legit resource porting issue. That's the vibe I get, right? So it, it it's like. Where could we get? I have no evidence. I'm just guessing. Where can we maximize the most money based on the style of game we make? The Sony base has proven that if we put it on there, we're getting hand over fist what we're putting out. Xbox, let's be real, weren't in tune with those games. Now, surprisingly, Switch being omitted didn't make sense to me. Because I'm like, that's the same kind of audience, right? Mm-hmm. It would do well. And Switch has shown that this generation, they are making mature games. So them eliminating Switch is stupid to me. That means you've got a porting issue. You don't got mm-hmm. the resources to do what you want. Because at bare minimum, Xbox should have been eliminated. And it should have been Nintendo and Switch party. A Nintendo and Sony party, right? It should have been these two getting all the games, all the ports. And that's why when I see the weird gaps... I just think they're constrained in a certain way. Maybe they don't have enough support studios. I don't know what their internal thing is. I do think relationships play a part. I want to give my boy Sov credit for this. I do think relationships do play a part. And I think Sony had a fantastic relationship with them. And it just made sense. When you know people in the building and things are getting done. And now Mm -hmm. Xbox had to get in the building. Right? Maybe they got in through the top floor. (laughs) And the message (laughs) came down. Bro. Here's the port you need to make. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, but you know, we don't got the... Here's the bag for Game Pass. Yeah. Shut up. Get in there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm making stuff up. But that's just how I feel about what I think might be yeah. happening. But you're making valid points. I would love to get a fly on the wall to know what's truly yeah, going know, right? on in there. A lot mm-hmm. of guesswork, unfortunately. A lot of guesswork we're doing. A lot of guesswork. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. With that, let's move into the news. So we have this Redfall interview. Normally, my Ooh. necklace is getting caught and choking me out as I speak here. Uh, normally, we have a whole thing written out for this, but this was one of the biggest interviews I've seen in recent memory, and it was all written. Uh, so what I wanted to do, Cog, was gradually comb through this with you here because we do have some major brand new Redfall details to lead off the news in our show. I wanted to start off with trying to just be as concise as possible and focusing on the story at the top of the article where they confirm that the story does not change based on who you play, but the dialogue does, and they've created a more dynamic system that um, is directed by the people who worked on Prey. 
they mentioned choice and consequence, they being IGN, asking about it. And in Redfall's announcements, it was said that our actions change Redfall settings. And they say that multiple endings and stuff like branching missions are less important to Redfall. Although in truth, I think we have more elective missions. There is a campaign, but there are some side mission spurs that you can do or not in the campaign. What it really influences is how a certain character's outcome happens or how they feel about you. Then we have the nest and we have the safe house missions. And then we just have the random exploration of the world and the spawns and the vignettes out there. But the overall plot itself, we do not have branching stuff. And with that, they also confirm there are not going to be multiple endings and that most of what you're going to learn about the characters is through banter and the cinematics. They say they're all character-based. So if I have a briefing for this one mission and I'm playing as Layla, I get Layla's perspective on the mission. But if I play through again that same mission, I'm playing as Jacob, I get his perspective on it and then all of his banter. If we're playing together and I'm playing as Layla and you're playing as Jacob, they have their own unique banter back and forth as two characters that get to know each other. And they also confirmed you cannot change your character after you've started the game. So I want to just pause there. Cog, what's the feel so far on the narrative? Because I'm sure you can guess mine. I'll spare the audience and let you go first. So I'm reading this interview, and all I keep seeing is your face. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep seeing the I told you so face. I told you, Cog. These were my concerns. They, they're getting away. I have, I have a face for that? Uh, you have this face you do when you are like <laughs> really defiant with arcade specifically. And I'm just thinking about that. I'm thinking about the ultimate with me, you, and Jimmy Champagne and how excited I am. And granted, for the record, Cog is still excited about Redfall. For the record. But I have to admit, my boy was right about his concerns about why he may not like it. And for everything that he loves Arcane to be, the character thing, it not really affecting, you know, the, the, the overall gameplay choices at the end and then the banter in between. It, it does come off as sacrifices being made for the sake of the multiplayer. I have mm -hmm. to be honest, right? As a co-op guy, I'm cool. Cog mm -hmm. is cool. I'm sure. excited. Don't let that... Let the LSM audience think that. I mean, I want to be clear with the audience that like I, I am fine with this. But for my boy who loves them for their their true narrative, the reason, the branch, the story, like, I don't know if he going to get what he want with this. And now I see my boy like, yeah, maybe checking out. <laughs> so I'm done talking because this topic is all about you. Like, there's so many times I'm dying to hear your perspective. And this was one of them because I'm reading it, Maddie, and I'm like, I see his face. I'm going to hear it. He's going to talk and say, you see. But let me done talking for you. Let me hear what you truly feel. I, I'm just not. I can't act disappointed because I totally expected this when they were like, yeah, we're really co-op centric. I'm like, yeah, there goes like part of why I like arcane games, which is that agency. But believe it or not, I like arcane games more for their immersive qualities because outside of Dishonored, like they typically do illusion of choice. Prey is a very strong example of that where the endings are roughly the same. So they were already kind of trending down that road and, I've come to expect that with AAA games that they never really ever deliver a level of true choice. It's extremely rare. And that's why I celebrate Dishonored so much as a franchise because I think they really had a grasp of it. Uh, so 
disappointing yes but was i angry no it was just like yeah i kind of expected this when i saw it um not being able to change your characters also i i, I kind of like that they lock you in they're like yeah your plan is this character like i think it's good that i think too many games try to make the path you're on escapable and shifty and you know fluid you could be and do whatever you want it's like no let people have games or help people mature with games let them make choices and think about them when they're leveling up. Not go, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I made a mistake. I don't want to build like that. Figure it out. That's. I think it's important that we do stuff like this. I think what's more disappointing is they're kind of citing banter as being the character building. Because you know what game did that is Deathloop. It's Deathloop that did that. And I did not think that was a great form of storytelling because it's mostly like, Hey, I'm on the radio right now. What's up? And and I'm just like, no, 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 no. Why you? I'm just like, no, 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 no. This is not how we're going to have the story be delivered, right? And and for most of it, that's what's happening. It's just over the phone, phone calls, phone calls. And I'm just, I don't know. The banter can be good. It's good personality stuff. I just played Valorant the other night. Like, yeah, little banter, building the world that way is fine. I'm just hoping for a good amount of cinematic. So we'll see. Don't want to judge that too hard. I'm shocked right now. You're shocked. I, I was thought I thought I was gonna get a hell. This has storm. been a four this is a foregone conclusion from months ago. I I have been here, man. You're catching you're catching the wave late up. here. I'm catching the wave late. You, you, you're late. Ubisoft right now. You're catching the wave <laughs> <Yo>. late. <laughs> Don't do me like that. No, <laughs> I'm feel, bro, I feel you. I feel look. I, I'm impressed that you're at least even being open minded coming. I thought this would destroy you on this game. I was already destroyed. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, fair enough. Nah, nah, you're good. Uh, how will progression work? Do I have to level each character individually or will there be an overall account level? And they say it's all per character. So again, you're locked in. Uh, they talk about how flexible character builds are and they mention that you're not going to be able to respec. So that is something that is definitely worth. I want to get your opinion on that one, Cog. Yeah, I, know I don't know how I feel about that part because yeah. I like respecting, um, you know, one of the games that I've been playing that's cooperative that does a fantastic job, that is Outriders. That's one of their mm -hmm. best things. Like, hey, you go down a path, you don't like it, and, mm -hmm. you know, hey, you know what? Let's invest the points and, and go this other way. So that's interesting. To me, I'm not, like, super negative, but it's like it, it goes into what you said, that locking you in mm -hmm. vibe. Yeah, right? I think. Yeah, that, that's where they're going with it, design-wise. I'm very, I, I will say I am surprised there's no respecking at all. Um, they even mentioned there's no real class types. Everyone has a set of skills, both active and passive, um, that are kind of in common with everybody. And uh, I, again, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm for it because I like the idea of like a, a, a form of choice and consequence, like make your decision, read your skills, think about your build, and create something, and and but I I do understand why people would be very displeased with not a reversible decision here. They mentioned things like remnants. Um, they said some types of those remnants will be in the base game, and there'll be things like defense-oriented ones, health-oriented ones, or ones that affect how your skill works. So think of how augmentations are. They mentioned some of them do get kind of weird. Um, continuing on. They talked about how the multiplayer was extremely difficult for them to develop during the pandemic. So that's something worth keeping in mind here. And hopping down a little bit more, let's talk about this, Cog, the end game. Say, so what are the player's goals? Is it for stats, for optimization, higher character levels, or something else entirely? I want to read this full answer here and uh, use this as like a jumping off point. 
We have some stuff we're working on that's new to us, honestly, but we're not really ready to talk about it because it's all underway. We support all of our games for a period of time after that. When they come out with DLC or with enhancements, you can look at the past and see all of that, ranging from the Knife of Dunwall and Brigmore Witches for Dishonored 1 and 2 to Moon Crash for Prey. We'll talk about endgame stuff and the sort of, I've already finished the campaign once, what can I do later on? Play in a harder difficulty mode, keep leveling my character, additional ways to play, additional characters, etc., etc. Our goal is, with all of our projects, to stay with them for a while while we ramp up on something new in the background. So they were asked about endgame stuff and they talked more so about DLC updates, additions. As the kind of live service guy between the two of us, what's your feel for potentially the future of Redfall where... Um, you know, that is the arcane we know, but typically it's for single player games that are getting single player expansion. So what's your feeling here for maybe what we could expect end game wise for Redfall and anything else that we talked about previously? I'm getting finite vibes like you do. You do everything in the mission structure. You have optional missions, stuff like that. But once you complete the vibe I get is you complete and I don't necessarily Maybe there may be, I'm getting like maybe a few surprises here. There may be a few things you can do post campaign possibly, but I'm not getting like an end game, like a true live service game. Like I'm getting an end game. I'm getting a thing like, okay, we're going to hit you with now this DLC content a few months later and then build upon this thing as something you come back to, you know, with again, another finite end to a chapter, so to speak. So that, mm-hmm. that's what I'm, I, hope, I mean, we'll see if we get more surprises or an end game type of content, but I don't know. My vibes, I feel like that's how they're talking in cold, but we'll see. I think I'd be for that, right? If you want to mm-hmm. focus on replayability, uh, I would love it because we've already seen loot in the game. Like, if it's kind of going to be an arcane Borderlands, that could be really cool. Um, is the, yeah. the arcane I know and love? No, but I'm I'm kind of down for that. Like that could be fun if they had like a new game plus. You run it through again. Yeah. Maybe there you could respec and have all these points to spend at the beginning of a brand new playthrough and go like, okay, now I know what I'm doing here for real, and I'm going to try to experiment with this. Right. Maybe you could go down that route. That could be something cool. On the note of difficulty. They uh, talk about, will it be harder to go alone or is it balanced for more people? They say, all of our games make a Venn diagram. If you lay them on top of each other, they overlap heavily. But, you know, Dishonored is still focused. Prey is a seamless, contiguous environment with continuous flow of time and physics focus. Deathloop added multiplayer. That's done by the Leon studio. Mooncrash added roguelike elements. Redfall falls on that same Venn diagram. It'll have a lot of the same arcane creative values, narrative-rich space, the location is a character. We put a lot of thought into the history of the place, immersive moments through the body, through the action, through the climbing, the sliding, all that stuff. And then, of course, game mechanics that interact in interesting ways that will sometimes surprise us. At At its heart, one of our games is part shooter, part RPG, about exploration of a world and all of that. That's the important part. And Redfall is made so you can play through the campaign solo and you don't have bots with you or for uh, for the other characters or whatever. You're just purely solo. You pick Layla, Jacob, Devinder, or Remy, you'll go alone, you go through the world. It's not a super hardcore stealth game, but stealth is a factor. Cog, we're going to speak here. The AI is based on awareness with sight and sound. You can use stealth to get an advantage on people or bypass the conflict or whatever to f- avoid fighting if you're wounded or weak. So that is the way the single player uh, just goes through the campaign. And there's no special mode for multiplayer or any of that. If you play with other people, one other person, two other people, three other people, or a total of four, it becomes more and more party-like, of course. It's probably our closest to being a party game, but solo is very much a classic arcane experience. 
Uh, now they say stealth is not you know that big of a factor here which is uh, very different from their previous games how do you feel about what they're saying for solo versus online co-op yeah it feels stealth stealth is definitely reserved for solo i i don't i don't get the vibe at all you know based on the comments that when we're playing co-op that where we're going to really stealthily approach a majority of situations you know not that everything got to be guns blazing but I would hope for some aspects of it, you know, and that, that mm-hmm. as the stealth guy, the shit don't be the ninja, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I always like that. You know, I like the sneaking mm-hmm. up on guards and, yo, let's take this thing out and, okay, you get up over there. All right, cool. Look at the, look at the paths that they walk in and, you know, the patrols that the vampire lovers, but, you know, I'm in my mind, I like that stuff. And I like, I guess the type of game I like is I like repercussions because let's be honest, most gamers going guns blazes or the casual gamer sometimes right so i like repercussions that yo you could get really hemmed up for doing that you know Mm. you might want to avoid some of some situations if you can so in fairness i haven't seen it i need to see the implementation of it but i did want to comment something else i don't know if we're going to talk about the tethering on this one or we i can bring it in now sure i figured because we already spoke about it but please yeah they mentioned it Mm-hmm. which I, I was shocked, you know what I mean? So they said there will be some aspects of it, of the four-play co-op tethering as far as the distance, as far as where you can go. They say it's going to be generous, so I want to you know test that. And the only reason why I bring it up, and again, I don't know if this is, this is a, a COG future game design want, right? Mm-hmm. I, I look at a thing like this, I look at a game like State of Decay, I want to be like, okay, me and Maddie, we got two of the homies, right? All right, Manny, you go over there and I want you to go loot those buildings out or whatever, whatever. I'm going to go down these blocks here. I want a game. like, And I was hoping, I don't, I'm not saying Riffle, you can't do that, but like, I'm hoping we get to a point in technology where we can have that. And then you go, yo, Cog, oh my God, yo, I'm surrounded by vampires. Got, yo, get down. I'm over on this section over here. And we're like, yo, we got to hurry. We got to hurry. Like, there's a part of me that likes the Rock of Blade Point for this. It's, even though it's Battle Royale, it's one map. It's so expansive, right? So my boys mm-hmm. are in beef. I'm like, yo, what part of yo, we over here by the Sundial Temple? Oh my God, there's crazy people over here. Get over it. Like, I love that. And I want the open world genre, I don't know how, to be able to get that aspect and have fluid fluidity with a story. And I know sure. it's difficult. I know it's questing. I get it. But that's all I want to say on that. But to your overall point, you know, I, I you know, it doesn't sound appealing that stealth seems minimal in this, but I'm willing to give it a shot and see how it plays out. Yeah. Now moving down the interview a little bit more. Two questions answered here. Number one, what happens when I'm at a party and I find an audio log or another collectible? Do we all have it or does everyone have to pick it up? They say it's different. If it's a plot thing that advances the story or you found a note or key or whatever, the group advances with that. But if it's a loot, it's individualized. If something dies and has some medical resources or lock picks or a remnant or some ammo or something like that, everybody's got to get their own. So instance loot. And then, can I bring my endgame character to another person's game? They have confirmed you can do that. So, there is that as well. So, anything you guys say on that? Interesting. Um, I actually don't mind that. You know, some games try to avoid it where they're like, oh, this guy's too strong. And sometimes they, they, they kind of make mention of like, hey, if your guy been playing and, you know, you're really tough. And I'm like, hey, you come in my game. You know what I mean? Like, you'll come through. Mm-hmm extra strong and help us out and they actually encourage that type of gameplay so i don't mind when games do that sometimes because sometimes let's be honest you know some your friends some of them gonna go way ahead of you 
you know, kind of thing. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm indifferent. It doesn't like, it's not like a break it, you know, make it a break it kind of thing for you. But what, what about what you, when you read this stuff? Is it something you like, dislike? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the plot, per- I think the loot, I like that it's instance. I always like when it's, it's, uh, different for everybody. I think that's, uh, an important thing to have in these co-op games. The end game stuff I like because what it means is I can play and beat the game solo. And if a friend picks it up late, I can hop into their game. And um, that's good because, again, with the way that saves work and how it's tied to the host player, I could go off on my own, beat the game, and then join a new friend playing. And I think it does work in that regard where it's like, okay, well, I've already beat the game. I've seen it for myself. uh, So I can jump in there and I can still play and enjoy the game alongside them. So there is that. Uh, They talked about psychicness, um, which they say are a feature which is kind of a shared psychic space where the vampires are basically sort of tripping together on what we call the blood trance. Different rules exist inside the nest. The psychic space doesn't have to adhere to normal architectural boundaries. That's why in the trailer, you see them go to a movie theater and instead of the screen, it transitions into this wilderness-looking environment. But yes, that is a nest. They're not required per se, but when you get to the center of the nest, there's a heart that is there that has a powerful psychic remnant in it that you want basically they're replayable they're fairly procedural those nests are made room by room different tiles can be stitched together dynamically and so it's one of the more procedural parts of the game hog yeah it's on procedural generation in redfall (laughs) i'm cool with it in this instance i I thought if what i saw in that picture with the psychedelic door thing if that represents it I'm cool with it. You know, I don't have, you know, it's a side portion of the game. I don't have too much problem with it on that side. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Well, what about you? <laughs> I'll read this next part and speak, I guess. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Are there a lot of procedurally generated parts of the game? Yeah, if you look at which safe house missions are involved in capturing a given neighborhood, if you look at the vignettes across the world and the ambient spawn of the enemies, the sun rises and, the sets, and sets the moon, the day, and the night follow, there are different gameplay rules that happen day by day and night by night. Vampires are more often dormant during the day, etc., etc. The storm builds up and happens, and then the nests are procedurally generated room to room, like I said. So there's quite a bit there. On top of that, Arcane is known for AI that has sight and hearing based. Even if your game is not a hardcore stealth game, having an AI that's like that, that just generates gameplay. Like you're moving around the world and you're moving into an area, you don't realize that you made a sound back there and somebody's following you right now. Or you accidentally lead one group of enemies into another and they start to fight. That kind of AI is what we do. Whether it's Prey or Deathloop or Dishonored or Redfall, no matter what the rest of the structure of the game is, that gives you a lot of dynamic gameplay right there. It's procedural in nature. So my answer to your question, Cog, is I'm not too concerned about this, believe it or not. I'm not too worried about the procedural elements because it doesn't sound like they're doing it for all of the content. It sounds like mostly a handcrafted game, which I'm happy about. Same. And, and they brought up an instance in the article about, you know, setting off a chain of events where you had like factions going at each other and, you know, you kind of sitting back in the bushes, you know, mm-hmm. seeing the thing develop. And I love stuff like that. So I'm cool. The last two questions they ask are, how does loot 
work for enemy drops. It'd be a little weird if vampires drop guns or ammo considering that they don't use those in their attacks. They said we put a lot of thought into that. Most of ours are like environmental storytelling scenes where you come up into a scene and maybe you see a bloody body on the street and then you look up at the roof and there's a blood streak. It looks like the guy was dragged down on the roof and was dropped. So if you make your way up to the roof, you'll find he was hiding up there and someone caught him and threw him off the roof. Therefore, there's a beer bottle, a sleeping bag, and some stuff up there and you loot it. The loot typically feels appropriate to the faction. If you stake a vampire and dig through the ashes, you might find a remnant or something to that effect, a physically imbued magic item, basically. Bellwether soldiers will more likely have the military gear. If you lockpick a trunk and open it, it might have a civilian shotgun, but as often as possible, we make them environmentally storytelling scenes. And then they talk about ammo being rare to find or easy to find. They say, I'd love to do a mode where it's super rare, but it's somewhere in the middle for this. It's not like your ammo starved all the time, but it's also not like you have infinite ammo. So, Cog, that concludes a gigantic interview done by IGN on Redfall. And I want to know the question I think everyone's asking. How are we feeling overall about the game so far? I'm still good. I'm still good. I'm still, still good. Yeah, I'm still good. I'm still nice. good. I'm still on it, you know. Is it perfect? There are some things that I have concerns with. Yes. Right. But um, overall, I'm going to be able to take a character. I'm going to get a narrative. I'm going to be able to play with my homies. I'm going to have to stick it through. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to not reset points. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, my, my main concern is just, is this narrative good enough? Is this narrative really gripping from start to finish? And um, my 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 only disappointment, I, I was hoping for a little bit of um, not saying like they have to be alternate, big alternate endings, but like stuff really affecting change. I'm not saying it doesn't exist in it, but I want to see to what extent. Right. So my only question is now is, is this a compelling story? That, that's it. If do they execute a compelling story? Well, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. I'm playing with the guys and and the world, you know, has the environment is believable and the enemies. I want to see these boss fights. I want to know these rem. I want to see these powerful vampires. You know, do I am I fearful? What are the tactics we're going to use to take this stuff down? Do these abilities and, and stuff matter? And that to me is more important. And and I, I I'm my, I'll tell you my final thing is, mm-hmm. I just want to. As much as I love Left for Dead, right? I just want to make sure this is not like a Left for Dead. Kind of clone. I want narrative. Like I, I, I'm, I'm buying you or game subscribing to Game Pass for this for the arcade because I want a good story. I want to feel a way while I'm going through this. And as much as I love Left 4 Dead, there's no Zoe. Where's no. Zoe? <laughs> that, that's actually a part in Left 4 Dead too. But uh, yeah. outside of that, yeah, not really. You know, you know, you're not, you're not coming in here for this world class narrative. Yeah, of shout Left out to Dead. my man Bill. Yeah, yeah shout out to Bill. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Bill. <laughs> Took one. So yeah, that, that's where I'm at with it. So we'll see. I, I'm, I'm still, still feeling good about it i just want to see if it executes but uh maddie your face says in the middle you're not where, where yet i'm i'm in my acceptance stage uh this is outside of the gameplay and the immersive qualities of the uh, environmental storytelling i think i just got to accept this is not the arcane game that i'm used to and it's never going to be i'm going through my final fantasy 12 mm. phase here mm. uh you know the like the story stuff is kind of a crusher for me i'm just like uh that kind of sucks the uh it's really now about how interactive and expansive these environments are and how many buildings i can go into because if that's not there well that'll be a fun review to make i'm sure uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that all goes but uh you know i know my taste i know what i like 
And uh, I feel like they seem to be shedding a lot of the past behind with this game. And uh, we'll see how that goes for them. We'll see how it goes. I don't wish them failure, but uh, it certainly isn't sounding appealing wholly to me. Last question for you. We got to oh. have, have a heart to heart. Okay. As an arcade fan, the arcade fan, like, is it now, if, if this does, if it comes out and it's just as you said it is, right? And it doesn't have those things that you want from the narrative perspective and the way they're doing game design now and the multiplayer focus. And then we had the death loop, which you didn't like. Right. Mm. And if this now starts off this new direction of arcade, is it a situation now where it's like, you know what? They fall down your great pantheon. They've lost their way. And now yeah. Maddie may have to move. Now they're not on your Rushmore no more. Like, are we now in that? We get, if it if it's a death loopy situation with Redfall, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like, that, are we there? We I gotta I gotta talk to my guy. I gotta see how he's doing. Obviously, I don't want to leap that far ahead, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I joke about the reviews and whatnot because I know I I know even though I say it in jest, people will try to take this and make it sound like I'm gonna fucking shit on the game when it comes out. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a fair shake. But yeah, if they continue down this kind of path of, you know, um, I almost feel like stripping down the elements that gave them an identity to become broader and more interesting of a, a game to a, the general public, that's their decision, but that's not why I like their games. And so to me, like, yeah, they, they would they rise up other people's pantheons? Probably. Would they fall down mine if they just really started to leave all that behind? Yeah. But I, I'm, you know, they... It's not like a 76 situation here where they've earned complete distrust. It's just Deathloop to me was like, okay, now we see how things dramatically shift up when in a small space you did multiplayer. Now on next gen only, we're going big space with co-op as like a primary focus. It is completely shifted. They say even in this interview, like, yeah, every decision you, you make, you have to make again when you add another player into the game and what that means to the game. So I know it's it's been built from the core out to be cooperative, to be online. And that's going to come with some sacrifices because that's what they wanted to make. And that is good. That is ultimately a good thing. They're making the game they want to make. Um, and they, you know, in fairness, they spent the better part of a decade producing games that they wanted to make that I loved. Uh, so uh, this might be a new chapter for them. And, you know, we'll see if I'm there getting their back or if, you know, suddenly I'm talking about it a little bit more Ooh. in the coming, in the coming months and okay. years. <laughs> I'm watching you. I'm watching. I've been the reason why and I know I tease you a lot, but the reason why I empathize with you is because I've been there with certain studios I love, and um, you know, it's not a, it's not a one to one comparison. I know we're going to get into um, respawn in a, in, with a topic soon, but sure. you know, I'm a Titanfall guy, right? So mm. I, I like what that represented for the industry, and when I saw Apex, as great as it is, mm. my heart sank. Because I'm not going to get the style of game I feel that I ultimately may want, right? And we're going to get into sure. it with a future topic. But sure. um, so part of me resonates, like, because th- let's just say the death loop. Because let's be honest, right? Death loop is supremely popping to the masses, right? And, yeah. and as much as I know how you feel about it, and if Redfield pops and they get positive reinforcement on this new way of doing game design, which is not a kid to Maddie. Then it's like, damn, is there is there they're more incentivized to keep doing that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And not do what you necessarily want. And, I, and there's a part of me as a gamer 
that empathizes with that because I'm like, damn, I love them for this. You know what I'm saying? This other thing that, that yeah. got me into them. You know what I'm saying? But I, we, we got we to gotta track it. We got to see how it goes. Yeah, and I think your Apex Legends example is is perfect, honestly. Like the, uh, the idea of like Titanfall fans who love a particular style, like the mechs and the... And the, the movement, time. yeah, the campaign they add in the second game, which apparently was really good, right? They, like, oh, gather all of that together, and they deliver something, like, superb, and it's only snuffed out by a Battlefield game from the same company. It, you know, I can only imagine the frustration they experienced as they say, well, we can't do Titanfall again. That didn't do well, so we're going to do kind of Titanfall in this universe, but we're going to call it Apex Legends, and now it's a Battle Royale. Right. And so people are looking for the true respawn first person shooter multiplayer entertainment. It's not there, but they they see something popping off. That's not what you love them for. So, yeah, that's a a beautiful example. And uh, maybe you will have your answer. So we'll talk about that in a couple of news bits. Number two, Xbox has confirmed they'll be attending Gamescom this year, which is going from August 24th to the 28th. The brand has confirmed that they will be providing updates on games announced that are releasing within the next 12 months. So the big question here, Cog, is what games are we seeing? More and more of the same, I think. (laughs) I don't expect um, anything too many new. What I'm hoping for is maybe what we talked about what potentially try to save 2022, which is, you know, potential third party game pass announcements that is new. But I am not expecting the clock to to, to kind of shift. And now it's a little bit 12 months later and maybe we get avowed. And I don't you know, I don't see that. I think they're going to stick yeah. to the script. And I just think that um, we may see more Forza uh, Motorsport because of the market, you know, the European market and stuff like that. That, that mm. would be smart of them to kind of do Good give, more, give information there and maybe get a tidbit about Starfield and a couple other oh, games. Oh, you think are, Starfield's going to be there? Interesting. Maybe. Maybe in, mm. in a small capacity. We might get like a tidbit here, a tidbit. But mm. I don't, I just, I just look at them focusing on that 12-month format and that that's all. I, I, my hope is a Game Pass announcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, they have a really interesting stretch here in August that people who are listening to this show should closely monitor because QuakeCon, part of me, goes from the 18th to the 20th, and I think that's going to be Bethesda's platform to talk about Starfield with a little update of some Ooh. kind, maybe show off another trailer, just a small one, because they mm-hmm. did that with Fallout 4, mm-hmm. maybe an update on Redfall, right? Like, this was the Bethesda convention for a while. They're doing it digitally this year. And then you have... Afterwards, Gamescom to provide updates on all other games. Um, they've certainly, with Redfall, been talking about this game a lot. So it's becoming clear that this is the one that's very much close to ready. Like we could feel so January, February. Like I think it could be even that close. We'll see. But I digress. Uh, I think we're going to see Starfield and and all of Bethesda's games at QuakeCon. Uh, maybe that Fallout Three remaster announcement that'd be pretty nice as well, uh, or whatever yeah. the hell they're going to do for the anniversary. Because I'm just going to will it to an existence at this I point. Like they it. they got to do something. Mm-hmm. But then you have games come afterwards, and yeah, I think we're going to get trailers for like already announced Game Pass games. Maybe you're going to get a new trailer for like High on Life, maybe Ravenlock. Uh, maybe you'll see something for Plague Tale Requiem. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know this 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 show because they're they're putting that window on it again. I think. As a, as a show that doesn't have the expectations of the Xbox Bethesda showcase, but has the expectations of like, yeah, we're just getting updates on stuff, actually has potential to be pretty good. Famous last words, because I, I don't remember the last time I walked out of a Gamescom showcase going like, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> but 
Maybe it delivers. We shall see. Anyway, shall see. that's what's going on with Xbox. They're going to be at Gamescom again, August 24th to the 28th, and we'll hear from them at that point. Number three, Lord Acquisition. Are you ready? Because Nordisk Games has acquired Until Dawn and the Quarry developer Supermassive Games, who will now join the fold alongside Mercury Steam, who developed Metroid Dread, and Avalanche Studios, who developed Just Cause. Cog. Another one bites the dust. Another one down. People mm-hmm. grabbing the bag for a reason. <laughs> a lot of people thought this would be PlayStation for yeah. a while because of uh, Until Dawn. And you look at the sales for the quarry on Xbox versus PlayStation, and it's not even close. So it's clear there's an audience there for their games. Uh, but it's Nordisk Games who snags them up. So kind of a who moment. But yes. a- a- any, uh, any additional thoughts on... Uh, super massive games being taken off the market. No, just again, it's just the, the the surprise was by whom, right? Didn't see that coming. I I, I assume PlayStation, the Until Dawn relationship, and you know that that made sense. So yeah, this is surprising. I'm like, okay, all right, Nordisk, yeah. they're, they're outside doing something. Dude, these these Nordic companies are yeah. are on the move. Yes, big time, making big splashes, big investments. But um, yeah, they, they they're slowly building a, a pretty nice stable of developers here. So. Congratulations to all involved on that. Number four, Jeff Grubb and Jez Corden have teamed up to provide updates to the anticipated revival of two titles coming to Xbox. Those being one versus 100 from the Xbox 360 generation and GoldenEye 007 from the Nintendo 64. Jeff has stated that GoldenEye specifically hangs in limbo thanks to the war in Ukraine. Meanwhile, Jez has firmed up that there has been a change of team leads for the revival of one versus 100. So right now we're not sure what's going to happen with either of these games. Cog. How are you feeling? There's been a lot of talk about, especially GoldenEye. There's been a lot of wondering, like, where is it? We thought that was a slam dunk for the showcase for sure. But uh, this game continues to be elusive. If there's a game that needs a limited physical print when it gets modernized, it has to be the GoldenEye remaster because they had it ready, done, good to go for the Xbox Live Arcade. It's available to download and play online if you want, like not through a storefront, mind you, but it's available out there. And they didn't even release that. So now we're seeing achievements pop up. A rare employee popped an achievement. So mm-hmm. it's out there. It's playable. So, so close. It's so crazy. Like, what is that about? <laughs> like, right? like, I, drop I the thing, man. Just they got to be waiting for the Golden Knight uh, anniversary, right? You yeah, it's got to be some con- moment date connection because this makes no sense. The thing is ready to go. People out here playing, popping achievements. I'm actually more disappointed about the one versus one. <laughs> yes. Yes, I thought I you would be. That hurt. Oh, oh my God! It makes so much sense. It makes perfect so game for this time. But since X Cloud, multiple devices, engagement, one of their golden era kind of shows, then you can get the casual, the non gamer in, and I think that's part of the focus. So, what is it? I heard um a director left. Or, um, mm-hmm. That was on the project, team but lead, yeah, we got team lead or something to that effect. You know, it doesn't necessarily signify that you know maybe the project's finished, right? And he's going on. Maybe there was some internal. I don't know. You know, I just want them to get this thing done out, make it right. This is this would be a smash if they bring it back correctly. So, still mm-hmm. pulling for one versus one hundred. That's the one I'm looking for. 
Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Team lead doesn't always indicate trouble, though, because as Cog said, when the game's done or when you have the vision, it's set in stone and the prototype's good to go. You're not going to hang around. You know, what is there to guide? The game's path has been decided and it's not going to 180. So if it's on a straight and narrow path, then um, they're not going to change anything. Then he can go on and do other things while someone fills in in the Mm -hmm. void at the top. All right, number five, Cog. This one's all you. Job listings over at Respawn show that they are working on a single-player game in the Apex Legends universe. A senior environment artist position refers to it as a Apex Universe FPS incubation title, stating, quote, this new single-player title is a developer's dream playground with a freedom to innovate made possible by unique universes that it inhabits. Our critically acclaimed multi-platform games have traditionally established a fun-comes-first sensibility, created with the notion that great ideas can come from anyone, which allows creativity to shine and individuals to shape the game in meaningful ways. And quote, Cog, as a man who was robbed of Titanfall 3, how are we feeling about an FPS single-player game in the Apex universe now? Don't know how I feel about that Apex universe stuff, because mm-hmm. we all know what <laughs> Apex universe is based off of. But... <laughs> Hey, I got to have hope. I got to have hope. The way you are with Fallout is how I am with Titanfall. Bro. Bold words. Bold. Bro, it's like this makes no sense, EA, why you're not doing this. It Mm. really doesn't. And and they cut Titanfall's legs off. It was self-inflicted wound, right? Yeah. With with, uh, the battlefield and and launch, cooperative, uh, simultaneous or close proximity launch. I hope this is it, man. I'm just mm-hmm. worried. I've been hurt. I'm hurt. They got my boy. To, you know, the way you feel about Todd and the team is the way I feel about Vincent Pelletier. That's, that's my... <laughs> they got him on everything. Yeah, it's God Vince for me. And it's like, <laughs> I get it. You know, they, they hit the alarm bro, bro button. Fix Battlefield now. Throw him on Battlefield. I get it. Numbers are better than Halo Infinite right now on Steam. Mm-hmm. But um, shout out to shout out to Vince and the team. They doing they, they already starting to work in a short period of time. But let this this generation cannot go without a Titanfall. Like, are you kidding me right now? Mm-hmm. Like, one of the best single player game campaign FPS campaigns in gaming. You know, they literally transcended the genre with FPS and wall running and movement and the the concept of Titan. Like, bro, what are we not? What are we doing? Like, this is, <laughs> this is gonna sell. Like, why is this not a thing? And I get you, Apex guys. I get it. You're popping Battle Royal. I got mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But you you can't tell me that they, they that a new Titanfall with a great engine and Vince behind the wheel would not destroy. And I'm just gonna hold hope that baby, this baby. But I, 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 I got a feeling I'm gonna get hurt with this. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this title is it. Yeah, it's possible there's pain in your future, but uh, yeah. You know what? What are you thinking it will be? You know, the story. Do you think it's gonna be like exactly what you're hoping for on that front, or? I mean, I'm hoping that it's the deep fake when they say like. You know, new Apex, you know, new single player time. I'm hoping, but I have to brace myself for reality that they do some Apex Legends character. Yeah, I I personally expected it to be a lot like League of Legends and their yeah. expansion of media, right? Where they had the Arcane show, they had the Ruin King, and it was like a turn based RPG. Like I kind of foresee them going in that route when they splinter out like it's within the universe but they call them different things and uh, maybe titanfall could fit into there but i just i definitely foresee the league treatment on this one 
is how I like to call it. And you may be right. I'm just dealing. It, it feel like, ah, uh, I don't want to get uh, I'm pulling for you. I, I, so I Blake Titanfall too. So, uh, oh my God, I, that yeah. game's amazing. Oh my I've heard, God. I've heard really good things. I, yeah. It's one of my blind spots because I, uh, was playing Battlefield at the time. So. Oh, my. See? <laughs> that was a decision. Them. It's EA's fault. It's EA's fault. Damn it. <laughs> All right, number six. Now we can uh, maybe come full circle here with our conversation on Xbox in Japan. Xbox has 260,000-plus console sales combined between the Xbox Series X and Series S in Japan which is more than double what Xbox One did in its entire generation. Sean Mason writes in, Hey Dukes, with the success of the Xbox Series X and S in Japan compared to the previous Xbox consoles, is it finally time for Xbox to create a brand new original studio in Japan? I know they own uh, Tango Gameworks. I almost said Titanfall. They do not own that, but (laughs) I I can't help but think. They almost did. (laughs) Yeah, they almost did. Almost. They had them. Almost there. Uh, Sean says, I know they own Tango Gameworks, but I can't help but think with the recent success, an original Japanese studio that focuses on more Japanese-centric games in the fashion of Persona, Final Fantasy, Yakuza, etc., would make a lot of sense. Best, Sean M. Cog. I mean, I, I think, like, instead of, you know, to me, the way I look at it is, like, you're showing really fast growth in Japan. Like, if you do the math here, we round it down to 250K uh, units sold, and, and every two years they're selling that much, we could be near in 360 numbers by the end of the generation, which is pretty good given the support that they gave the 360. So to me, I'm less calling for a new original studio. Cog, I'm calling to get the band back together. Well, who right? are you talking? What are you talking Pick about? up the phone, Team Ninja. Pick mm. up the phone, Miss Walker. Mm. Those types of teams. Get them on the phone and have them start working. I know Miss Walker specifically said they want to keep making phone games. You got money, Microsoft. Let's make it happen. Be like, what if we gave you the budget to make a reboot, if you will, of Lost Odyssey oh. and give us our answer to Final Fantasy that we so desperately need. Because guess what? Guess what Lost Odyssey was? If you've played it, and some of you in the audience know if you played it, Xbox's Final Fantasy. It was by the creators of Final Fantasy, had the composer of Final Fantasy. It is a Final Fantasy game. Straight up. Like, if you want, like, and it dropped at a perfect time. Final Fantasy was weak, but Final Fantasy 13, they're like, here's Lost Odyssey. So to me, I feel like that's a beautiful answer for Xbox. I want them to get the band back together is how Ooh, I'm looking at it. I love it's, that. And of course, because you know, they're saying, well, we got an ID to Xbox. We're working with 200 Japanese game developers. So I'm like, all right, you're, you're looking at the up-and-comers. But let's let's re- reestablish some, some old connections, some OGs, because that's what's going to bring the attention, right? Not the new guy, right? Not bringing in, no, I say this with no disrespect, but like Edge of Eternity. Like that's cool to see Edge of Eternity there, but that's not going to bring console sales by the by the hundreds of thousands right you need the big names the atlas the hideo kojima and you know get some of those get some of those great developers back in to the xbox ecosystem even more but cog what's your read on this studio or not i'm with you i think um Mm. i think we need to do a combination of both i think we Mm. i think both can coexist i think that Look, the studio thing might be a long shot. I love Sean's idea. I, I, I just think it's, it's a long shot with just getting set up in a region. I think where that'll birth maybe more, that'll be more akin, in my opinion, to the, uh, the ID at Xbox Japanese initiative with the smaller guys. I think sure. that could happen. There's some, and if one of them create the next thing, then you snatch them up. They're in house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey. And then let them go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you though. Like, 
Lost Odyssey is extremely important. Games like that, you need... Listen, PlayStation ain't playing fair out here. You know what I'm saying? They know what is the pulse of the gaming industry. And they got that Final Fantasy popping right now. So they're going to pay and do what they got to do to keep it off the platform. As, hey, all fans in love and war. I've never been mad at that type of stuff. I understand. You want to play dirty with Game Pass? Okay, we're going to take this from you off your, your chessboard. And you go Game Pass everything out. <laughs> so my thing is you get the band together. You're already starting with Wulong and Team Ninja. You calling people from back in the day, and you mm-hmm. got what if that becomes your Bloodborne? You know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. right? You know what I'm saying, like snatch. I'd recoil pe- to that one. Oh. You, you know what I'm saying, like let's start that's, doing that's a that. Powerful statement, bro. Let's let's get the band back together. Let's make our own. Let's get the talent and make our own Final Fantasy. These guys that are well known, that's why I like the Kojima thing. Let's make our own, right? Whatever he mm. wacky, but people like it. People, me and you, like, so yo, he's an Death Stranding. Exactly. I ain't a Death but people like, you get Hoglaw yeah. on this, you get a, a bunch of my friends, they love Death Stranding, right? So you get that. Yeah. And I'm going to say another controversial one. I know people don't like it. I, yo, if you don't trust Platinum, how about Xbox Global Game Publishing and you do this one-off joint? You ain't got to sign them, right? Let's go. Let's get them. Dude, let's- it's, it's a low-risk contract, right? Think of, We got to get our audience more on sports, right? The one-year deal league minimum. Sign platinum to that. Prove it deal, right? Mm-hmm. We call it the, tip, it deal. The, the quintessential prove it deal. One year, okay, you you wanna oh you love to scale bound. You you, you hoping mm-hmm. it comes back. You you wish you had the opportunity. All right, this is what the contract is. Let's do it. Let's see how it goes. You execute on this. Yeah. And we bring you we bring you in and out. We don't have to sign. There's no obligation, but clearly no. you 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 need something because you keep asking. Yes. Right. Yes. Bro, that's how you do it. Now you now you've got a plethora of, of ideas and, and deals both big and small and genres that you're clearly deficient in. And mm-hmm. now you start to create something. But what to the overall point, I think it's fantastic that they've already obliterated the Xbox One stuff already. That's mm-hmm. a great sign. The trajectory, like I said, that's what I say. I know Matty, you're Mega Man. I know you're upset. But I'm looking at the overall big picture, baby. Yeah. The trajectory's going this way. I like what I see on that, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? So I, it, I think they could do something special. And if they get to that, we had Grub on out here for a while, like a, month, a couple months ago, whatever. And look, you know, if they get to that 360, that's a win. That's yes. is, is is it going to dance Nintendo and Sony? No, but you've now established yourself in a region where you're no longer non-existent, and you dedicate mm-hmm. a core. And each generation, you just build on it, and that's exactly. how you get back into yeah. it. That's exactly. what I'm So yeah, we'll hopefully see more. I just after what's happened with the initiative, I think I just want to see them release Perfect Dark and how that goes before we start to say let's set up another new studio. Agree. I just feel it's easier for us to say like you mentioned let's go through xbox game studios publishing prove it deal for plot for platinum see if you can get something somehow with Mistwalker, so on and so forth and like get the gang together for for like some really beefy third-party exclusives and then if things start to work out you maybe acquire because i look at something like i i don't remember the developer's name but eden chronicles 100 heroes right kickstarted video game where are they going afterwards they're there day one on game pass those are the types of relationships I like to see foster because they could be making the next 
pixel-based Xbox RPG, that's a dream come true for me. Like, please, mm. more mm. of that. I know that's not mm. exciting for everyone. That's why I just... I'm sorry, I gotta beat the drum one more time. It's why I think Lost Odyssey, or a, a, a game of its ilk, is so important to Xbox. Because, God, just look at the visuals to that game, man. It still looks good. Oh it my still God. looks good. Watch the opening cinematic. The the transition from Kaim dicing up an entire army, the camera, he looks over his shoulder, he sees the whole army surrounding him, camera rotates, sets in place, gameplay begins. One of the best intros in video games. And I feel like if Xbox were to bring that quality level to AJRPG, let alone a game, but AJRPG, would nowadays with people asking and looking for it more and more would be a huge sign of their investment in the region. I think they would get a bigger return now than they would during the 360 gen just because of interest alone. Bro, I love that idea. Remember what we talk about with having your finger on the pulse. Could you imagine that being, oh, oh, by the way, at the end of a showcase and you show show your man from Lost Odyssey and you put a two on it and we're working Uh, with the developers or whatever, whatever. (laughs) bro, the builder's going to be like, let's go. That's heyday 360. Mm -hmm. You need to to tap into that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say they definitely going to do that, but at least I'm more hopeful that they're going in that direction that one day we get these type of style things. This is what the the base want, man. Let's go. Absolutely, because again, the the numbers don't lie. The 360 was the best-selling console in Japan, and it was the best-selling console. What were they doing? Timed exclusives. Their version of that nowadays, day one Game Pass with the occasional console launch exclusive for a limited window. They can 100% manage that in a less strict window nowadays with more money than ever. So I feel like they should just focus on that before building studios. But good to see that they're selling more consoles and in turn, hopefully more Game Pass subscriptions. And maybe we'll get our, our, our truth sooner rather than later. Hopefully, hopefully. Number seven. Speaking more on Japan, ransomware group Alpha V, or Alpha, I think, but the V is supposed to be an A, has reportedly targeted publisher Bandai Namco, who has claimed to have ransomed them. As of this moment in time, Bandai has yet to publicly comment on the matter. Again, we're recording this July 13th, so that could change by the time this episode is live for all of you. But they find themselves in a situation quite similar to that of Capcom and CD Projekt Red in recent years, where we saw what happened with Capcom. Whole schedule leaked. Uh, Cog, what is your your feelings on this one? Do you think uh, it's going to go that similar path and we're going to start to hear about some Bandai games coming out? Because obviously, you bend the knee to one group, all these ransomware groups are going to fly in and be like targeting everyone because they know they'll get their bag. So I want to know what you're feeling about uh, this ordeal here and uh, Mm -hmm. what Bandai maybe should do about it. Yeah, you can't you can't acquiesce to the you know to the to the demands of the terrorists. You know, what I'm so you gotta you gotta have to hold the L, and, but expect the leaks, expect stuff to come out. You know, I think uh, what is it? CD Projekt Red was in the same situation recently. Yeah. You know, it, it's getting tough out here in the cybersecurity world. It's 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 very tough, man. I feel I empathize with these guys, especially with the Elder Ring on the on PC or whatever the comp- compromise there. But yeah, you, you gotta hold the fort because like you, you said it well. If you bend the knee. Now you open the floodgates, and you, as an industry, we can't have that. So this this should be a wake up call from tightening up whatever these back end holes that you have, you know, and seeing if you can you can put better security measures in place. But it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those things where uh, you got to do what CD Projekt Red did, like get out in front of it, hold them accountable, be like, you can leak our stuff 
you know, we're going to put the security measures in place and you'll be in trouble in due time. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, of course, from the gaming perspective, what's going to leak because Bandai's got their hands on a lot of things that I think are more tantalizing. There was this, I put this in quotes, leak. Um, let me look it up. It's an idle sloth tweet. <laughs> oh, the sloth? Yes. Ooh, yeah. Somebody got sloth. Yeah, it was a roadmap. I'm grabbing the picture now because even on a face value, these are speculated games um, that are coming from Bandai. If I can find it, my man posts a lot. He posts a lot. Hold on now. Here we are. This. Okay, let's go. What is so I'll put this here yes. in our, our little chat. Yes, send that to me. But you'll see these IP and like if any of these, even half of these are true, it's uh, that could be a a really significant leak for them. So there's uh, Armored Core. You know, it's been it's been speculated that, um, you know, Bandai and and uh, FromSoft are teaming up to work on another franchise of theirs. And uh, Hidetaki Miyazaki had just said that whatever they're working on is closer than people expect. Uh, very soon to being ready for release, so probably within the next year. Uh, they mentioned Dragon Ball Fighters Super, which I would shit my fucking pants over. They have Digimon Cyber Sleuth 2, which they're releasing a Digimon game this year. They obviously have more in production. Elden Ring, Barbarians of the Badlands, apparent expansion. Tales of Ascension, this is uh, saying Q3 fiscal year 2023, uh, which would be very surprising because Tales of Arise just came out late last year and that was seemingly like their big home run swing and i think they nailed it cog tekken 8 it's time too it's time the development cycle is ready like this makes oh man i need a new tekken in my life right now same same this one will probably be their biggest game xenoverse 3 Xenoverse 3 has been like they're still doing DLC for Xenoverse 2 so if they did a Xenoverse 3 the internet would lose their mind Code Vein 2 One Punch Man Fighters Association which is such a random one by the way that it's why I kind of give it some level of credence but Mm -hmm. I I, I do think it's fake at the end of the day but the idea here the reason why I'm entertaining this to talk about it is they got their hands on a lot of IP that are very tantalizing if they were to have a leak I think it would be far worse than Capcom's. I, I agree. I agree. It, it would be damaging for them. I mean, the gamers and us as uh, content creators would have a lot to talk about. Oh, yes. But, yes. Yeah, for us, we'd have content for days. But yeah, for the studio, that would suck. <laughs> yeah, I'd feel bad for them. Because, yeah, you know, really. that's a, the thing that, that was awkward about the Capcom leak to me more than anything was they leaked not only the release of Street Fighter 6, but then they released the, the re, they leaked the re-release of it. The planned re-release of like, yeah, we're going to what we did last time way before like in 2026 way before it's even announced that's so, <laughs> so crazy i know yeah, nasty dirty move dirty anyway that's what's going on with bandai we got another story here at number eight some hires for xbox game studios at both 343 an important one but also we want to talk about playground games so first off 343 Kagi sent me this one and of course we got to get into it joseph staten posts on his twitter account I'm happy to confirm Halo veteran Paul Bertone has joined the team as a studio technical design director. Paul and I met back in 1999 uh, during the Bungie Chicago days and then shipped Halo 1 through 3, ODST, and Reach together. I'm thrilled to have Paul help lead the future of Halo Infinite. Now, 
Stain's always talking about the game. He's always very communicative. It's very rare that he gets out and puts a spotlight on a hire and say, like, arm around him. He's like, yeah, we took this during my 50th birthday party. So, Cog, you've been a big advocate to tap Bungie talent on the shoulder, get him in-house. How are you feeling about Paul Bertone, formerly of Bungie, during the heyday of what it took to launch a great Halo game complete with its content, joining as a studio technical design director? Okay, give myself Duke Cog a little credit here. Yes, yes. Um, yes. I, I did call this. I, I, yes. I, I didn't call this particular hire, but I did call one of my things. I didn't think, I know tensions are high with 343 and deservedly so, but I thought the right move is to give Staten more control. And whether that's elevating him to a high, even higher position in the studio or just he can remain where he's at but give him most control. And these are the type of deals or, or things that I like to hear about. Because I did research on Mr. Patone. He's great with deliverables from functional design and development and bridging gaps, you know, mm-hmm. in the development when, when, when people, when the, the, the developers cannot execute certain things. And I love the fact that he's there from the heyday. He's there from their greatest moments and getting back to the core of what it is. So if the vision of Joseph Staten, when he was brought, brought on to course correct, right, to get this thing back on track, to go to managers saying, no, you cannot. I know stakeholders want this to launch on the back of the box. I know that I have no power really to influence. Oh, I shouldn't say no power to influence, but you know, I'm not on my bargaining position is not high based on how long this studio took prior to get stuff done. But if you don't do this, you ruin the the future of the franchise. So he did salvage it to some extent. It's just that they, I feel based on what has happened, all resources went to salvaging mm-hmm. and there was none left for content. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what I see, again, this is just from the outside in, you bring in Paul Bertoni from your, you know, your heyday, his whole job is to fix those gaps of executables that are not getting done on time. That's literally his job description. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I don't want to get too crazy, but if we start to see more things like this, I think it's very significant that he put that on Twitter. Yes, I think there's a a real call to attention there. So maybe it's cool because he's been friends with them for so long, but I I think there is a little bit more to it, and And I think it's a good sign. Yeah, at the very least, you have someone that you have a great working relationship with executing the game at its greatest point. So at a, I think it's a positive thing. We, we have to continue to see if there's any more internal moves going on. I'm yes. curious. Uh, on the playground game side of things, I did the research on this one. Anna McGill has been brought in as a narrative lead for playground games or so it was reported as that I dug into her LinkedIn a little bit and she had worked at playground games as a lead writer for a year and a half until she was promoted to narrative lead in a full-time position. She was already full-time writer uh, for the game. So she was already a kind of the head of the story. It seems like she's really taking the reins here, which I think is a good sign because she's worked on things like Control, Guild Wars 2, and Dishonored in significant writing roles. So I think this is actually really exciting um, because those are some great games there. A lot of people talk about how great and crazy Control is. Y'all know I love Dishonored's story, its choices, because here's the thing. Dishonored handles morality really well. You know, what game focuses on morality a shit ton is Fable. So I like this move a lot. Uh, Happy to see it. She was already there in the first place. So just keep in mind when uh, you're seeing the 
the news go around that it's not like a brand new hire, but more like an internal promotion to a higher position for someone who seemingly was deserving of it. Love, right. love it in the Twitter handle. Very cool. I'm very excited to see yes. what they, they do with that. that. That's a good, it seems like a good move. Indeed. Last one, and I intentionally put it at the back here, uh, you know, after some good news, because I, you know, I don't want to constantly beat up 343, but there has been some conversations about the studio once more, not all that positive. And I got to say, I'll, I'll put this ahead of the conversation so no one overreacts. I do think this time it may be a little undeserved. So the claim is that Halo Infinite Co-op as of the time of recording here, July 13th, is still not available and they're taking it day by day. This comes from Brian Gerard, aka Sketch, who writes, the team is still working on updating Halo Infinite's network co-op insider flight build. While we always said our target was the week of July 11th, many sites reported it as simply starting July 11th. Still hoping for this week, but it will not start today and they wrote this July 11th. They write, flighting is fluid as the process entails discovering issues and initial rings and resolving them before expanding to a larger audience. A few issues were discovered in our current flight ring and the team is working to address. Apologies to folks who expected the flight today. We're eager to get this into your hands, but we also want to ensure it's a positive and worthwhile flight experience. Still targeting this week, but it works day by day as work continues. Thank you for your patience and understanding. And I did check and it wasn't just a one-time thing buried at the bottom of the article it was i did the control f on it three different times they mentioned the week of july 11th and at the end the staple was as a reminder we are targeting the week of july 11th for this flight and we'll be keeping the community appraised of any updates on that in the coming days which they did do that so cog we turn our attention to a write-in from ty b 2012 and i want to hear from you on if 343 has let us down Greetings, we out here cog and have you played Persona Maddie? So another week and another 343 mess up. They they failed to meet the launch of the beta for co-op campaign with nothing more than they are targeting this week and the work is day by day. Have they not learned their lesson to not put dates on things that aren't ready? At this point, it feels like beating a dead horse, but how long until we get an explosive report about what's going on with the studio? Have a I can't decide what game to play on my backlog, so I worked on my anime backlog kind of day thank you ty for writing in so courageously like that cog again my question to you has 343 messed up here have they put a date on things too soon i'm very curious on how you're feeling about this one (sighs) Mm. (laughs) Um, the the sigh of displeasure from cog is never a good start I'm trying, I'm trying with this problem child. I'm trying. Look, to the letter of the law. Not the one who's buying all the the games on your phone? (laughs) Oh, my, bro. Not that problem child? Not not that problem child. Look, uh, the sad part about this, to the letter of the law, they are not incorrect, right? They said the week of, right? So it's the week of. I get it. The problem is, I got to lean with Ty on this, is that, you already don't have moral credit. You know, mm-hmm. your credit is exhausted. So it behooves you not to put a date or a time frame. Mm-hmm. Do you know who's learned this very well is Bungie and Destiny. Yes, because, yeah. Yeah, bro, we are on them. We'd be like, yo, you said what's up, right? Mm-hmm. And the sad part about it is, like, we got the whole week, but let's just say something happened in their defense, right? And it can't come out this week. 
you're gonna get creamed. Now, do I feel that unnecessarily catches smoke? Yeah, this is definitely an overreaction. I'm not gonna say it's not. It is. It is. When anyone else says it's a week, they wouldn't have caught this smoke. But uh-huh. it's you and you uh-huh. the problem child in the house. I keep calling. That's not my new nickname. The problem, problem child. child. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so the problem child was something in the house broke. They looking at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't look at anybody else. <laughs> That's what's happening here. So they're guilty by their past actions. And to the letter of the law, I've seen other companies do it. They don't get the flack as three, four, three is, but they're just not going to be allowed it. So this is right. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And I want this co-op to come out. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. You know, so that's where I'm at. Yeah, I um, I agree with you. I think you've made some really good points there. But I also feel like they said it. I, they can't be blamed for how even we reported it, you know, because we took the reporting of other reports. I skimmed through the actual blog post themselves. And you and I were joking about it being like biblical scriptures at times in there. So uh, pardon me for doing a little skim reading just to verify. But yeah, I missed a key detail there. So the re-reporting of reports uh, bit us in the butt. It's bit other outlets in the butt. And um, yeah, it's something that I can't really blame 3434 if they were saying that. But I do agree with the notion that putting a date on it was foolish. Just saying the coming weeks saves you that time. Um, I just the think, messaging and the marketing. Yeah, that's the thing. Sorry. I, no, I was going to say, I just think they got to understand, in my opinion, I think surprise drops for Halo is more crucial than ever. Like surprise, here's co-op and you can play it now. Like I just feel that's something that would help them out a ton rather than we're planning to do this. Please be ready for the week of the 11th. We might see you then. It's they're so it's weird. God, we've never had this issue. Usually every company in this industry is overly cagey, but they might be so communicative that it actually hurts them at times because this is a it's a minor example, but it is an example of a time where it's like probably shouldn't have spoken. And I, and I think that comes from the trauma of a game under delivering after launch. And not providing that content and trying to be like, here's what we're doing. Look, we're we're doing drop pods now. We'll see you every couple of weeks with a new update. Don't worry, drop pods. Halo terminology. That's what we're calling it now. Very communicative. The long blog post with no videos just says it all. Yeah. So you can read it for yourself. So things can be easily taken out of context, which <laughs> I know they hate. So I don't know why they do it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I get both sides. I think. 343 did it to themselves, but I also feel like they can't fully absorb the blame here. No, well said. Well said. I don't really have much more to add to that. That was, that was well said. Time for our Game Pass Pick of the Week. Before we get into what you picked, I'd like to talk with Bix Hutch, who writes in, What's up, my Duke? Just wanted to tell Maddie that after he shouted out House Flipper on Game Pass, I immediately checked it out and downloaded it. It's actually perfect to just shut off your brain and enjoy the turning dirty, ugly houses into straight cash. It was so great, in fact, that I actually immediately bought the gardening DLC so I could pull weeds, cut grass, and throw in Japanese-themed gardens with some koi ponds and put the house into a gardening competition to boost its value. On top of the addicting gameplay loop, this game is filled with Easter eggs one of them is particularly fucking awesome though no spoilers but there's one that's actually an easter egg to a massively popular anime and around the property are hidden items that will be immediately recognized so whether you want a beach house mountain getaway or yes even a moon house you can flip it amazing pick maddie these are the type of games that make game pass the diamond it is so yes house flipper is out on game pass now if you want to check it out but cog for you my friend you have a a pick here that uh I'm curious to learn a little bit more on. Yeah, man. It it went this game went from 
oh, this is a car game, and I'm curious. You know, it's very distinct art style. To a, uh, okay, maybe there's been more potential. To now that I've been playing it, you know, um, let's mm-hmm. give it right. I got look, as dust falls, is a sleeper. It mm-hmm. truly is. I, I'm, I'm more. I'm fully invested. I'm more than halfway through, and it, it comes out officially. You know, um, next Tuesday. So by the time of recording, it'll be mm-hmm. out for that that coming week. So, look, guys, give it a, give this game a shot. This thing is phenomenally written. It is one of these situations that when the story starts going by the middle of chapter one and you start to get background of these characters and they're all flawed characters, they all and it's a lot of them. I would say at least I've encountered so far about six, six of them. Mm-hmm. And each one of them morally with decisions they've made how they're acting in the moment. And then what I love that the game does is it'll flash forward and flash back in the middle of certain chapters and then take on Mass Effect style choices in each. Mm. And the beauty of the game is at the end of a chapter, when you see how much it, picture if Mass Effect 3 or any Mass Effect game Mm-hmm. Had a visual writing style. Did this on Varmeyer, Rex died. Did that on this, um, Caden died, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if you could see that, right? Mm-hmm. Every choice in Mass Effect. I'm not gonna compare it with that level of choices, but this is a this is a lot, y'all. And I'm talking about fates of characters on the line. I'm talking about impactful decisions. And here's the thing, Maddie emotionally this game got me mm. i didn't think there was some choices and you start off I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you one scenario right you start there's a there's a couple and clearly they have had issues right the game starts off and i guess you know you're with um the, your daughter and there's a game you're, you have to play your daughter and one of the games you're doing is like okay whatever and and she's like you close your eyes and tell me what's around, and then you, you, me and you both do this opposite. So while the daughter does it, she says, okay, dad, close your eyes and go tell me what you see. So they give you an option, you know, close, because there's a part where the game wants you to memorize something, right? Okay. Game does this a lot on certain things, which is excellently done in, in a very cool way. And w- when you do it, there's a part you're like, yo, you could peek through your, your hands or whatever to, to see, you know, to cheat on your daughter. So you go, you're like, all right, let me peek. And I'm like, okay, I see that. And then she's all right, what's the answer? How many things that, you know, that I'm asking? And you say the thing. And she's like, you cheated. You always cheat. Like, she starts throwing stuff at you. So I'm like, okay. It's like, it was, it was subtle, but it was the way it was delivered. As the story continued, this came up, right? Mm. And then I found out, oh, by the wife, this, pro- this man had a problem <laughs> with mm. a certain thing, right? And it came back up. Then, again, I'm not going to spoil. It's the little things that how you've answered can affect if someone trusts you to do something very important. Then you have timer moments. And what I like about the choices, sometimes there's a three to four choice arc. Then there's mm. a do, sometimes there's a do nothing arc. Then, mm. of course, you got your little action sequences in telltale fashion that, let's be honest, you really can't. You Actually, you can fail, but they're not too significant. 
Okay. Just make change. Let me alter the path somewhere. I say all this, bro. This is some of the most creative scenarios and writings I came across. And there was a part, I ain't gonna lie, tapped it. I was like, man, this is this got me feeling away. And, 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 and I did something that was so impactful that the game rated me at the end of the chapter and was like, yo, you are fiercely loyal. You and I look, I was like, yo, that's me. Like, it was like you put family and friends above this, that and the third you did. But you do. You got this character flaw. Like the game rated me on these decisions. And I will mm. say this. This is going to be the ultimate party game. Mm. I can picture you and wifey. Playing this joint, and y'all gonna have moments. Y'all gonna be like, "Oh no, no, we're not doing that." And she, you gonna be, you gonna be like, "Oh, she gonna be like, oh no, no, we are doing it." And then you have the override system where you can force, and you have a limited amount that you can use. The yeah. game has Twitch, and this is going, this gonna be something. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, the only thing that's gonna hold this game back is if. You sit there, because remember we used the joke was it's Grand Theft Auto, the loading screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the art style. If you're not a fan of this art style, I could see that disconnecting someone. Right. Sure. And I do feel the choice because you could play it on mobile. You play the, the, the cursors is a little jumpy, a little weirdy. Like they need to get that integration a little better because what okay. they try to do is let you be able to play for multiple devices. So I guess they chose this format for on control. It feels a little wonky. Sometimes we have to make a quick decision to go choose the correct thing. But. Bro, it is so well written and, and so intense. Mm. You're on the edge of your seat. Nice. I think as dust falls, they got it's worth giving this game a shot and highly recommend. I did it solo, great experience. Highly recommend playing with friends. Excellent. Any, it comes any, out any July nineteenth. Next, next week, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm. I'm in. I'm all in, bro. They got me. Nice. Shout out to nice. Interior Night, saw UK Studio again. I thought it'd just be a niche thing. They got something, bro. Nice. Nice. Day one game pass next week, July 19th, yes. as dusk falls. Yes. Five questions to wrap up our show here. Black Magic, Black Magic Fuckery, the Bussy, butch, bu- bussy Butcher. I'm sorry. His name just always baffles me. <laughs> a pushes C and G27. Question mainly for Maddie this time. A couple months ago, I started developing my own game as a solo project. It's so far been a mostly thrilling and occasionally daunting task. However, I have noticed something strange with all the coding getting done. I've noticed my actual leisure time spent gaming has taken a steep dive as I dedicate more time to the project. Having worked on this or having worked in this space, is this something you noticed at any point, perhaps earlier on? I'm keeping up with Sacred Symbols and DD crews, mind you, and even just getting started into ILP COG. That whole conversation about Skull and Bones, pl- big boying Ragnarok with its <laughs> release date had me on the floor. But the actual game time has taken a hit. Curious mm. for thoughts. Have a your object collision is fucking out for seemingly no reason kind of day. And COG, I thought you could, of course, get in on this as a man who's you know working at oculus and you're you're a very busy person with all the shows and the site you're running the time you find to game but i'll just kick it off because um he's mainly asking about game development um i'm very lucky to uh have a a a team while we're small um we definitely like you i guess would with any team focus on your strengths and i do get in the engine and, and do a lot of work in there mostly level design and that type of stuff when i'm in there uh blocking out decorating kind of prettying things up tweaking lighting that type of stuff so everyone wears a lot of hats but 
I know that's not my specialty, if you will. So when I set it up, it's good to go. It looks good. And then we'll get like the lead artist in and he'll come in and we'll tweak things and, and make the proper adjustments that make it just right. Uh, so I'm like the setup man, if you will. I'm, I'm giving the assist pass, but it gets us to the point where things are ready. We have an image in mind. It's like, OK, this level actually looks really good. Let's just change the lighting here, adjust this sprite over here, et cetera, et cetera. However, when it comes to everything else, I get to do what I consider the fun stuff. So to me, level design is fun. I do a ton of writing. I write more than I think anyone will imagine I do. Hundreds of pages of writing. Wow, wow. So yeah, I, I do a lot of it. Uh, to me, that is fun. I love writing. I always have growing up. It's a passion of mine. And uh, so yes, I, I do a ton of that. And um, because I'm handling that, I'm typically working on the stuff I enjoy. Um, not that I don't enjoy other parts, but like I don't mess with programming. I have I pay someone to do the gameplay programming for our game because number one, I'm incapable. And number two, it's it's once we got past that terminology and communication barrier of understanding what we're trying to make and conveying it to them properly and creating a million and one design docs and so on and so forth. Once that was properly conveyed, it's in better hands now. And I, I'm, you know, on just a separate note, I'm very big on like giving the team I'm working with, like creative control. Like I am, if anything, like a creative director, like I have a vision. Here's the thing I want to make. Mm -hmm. I help put it together, but I do give them a lot of autonomy in the sense of like, Hey, yes. if something needs to change, just change it, mm -hmm. cross it by me. Just let me know after you do it yes. and we can discuss if it needs to be undone. But like, I don't want to stop your flow. Right. So I also give the the team, if you will, a lot of like leeway power like you guys mm -hmm. know what you're doing i'm learning as i go along here mm -hmm. i'm not going to try to run this ship so it's a long-winded way of going about it saying i get to do the things i i i prefer and i enjoy and because i think i give my team a lot of the the keys to the castle i think they set me up to do that a lot like we were setting up a lot of data tables for our game uh for for all sorts of systems which is a blast and originally we were setting up where it was going to be three of us doing it together but our lead artist actually went ahead and said, I'm going to do it all. You guys focus on writing the story. Uh, so I have the benefit of with that small team and and the chemistry we have, we're kind of going out of our way for each other, trying to make things easy, manageable to make the best game possible uh, that right now I, I don't experience that. And uh, part of the reason I don't as well is because I don't want to ever get to that point because I feel like when you're doing what we do for a living, which is talking about games, writing about games, making games i've noticed a consistency among all three when they start to lose the picture they stop playing games Facts. and it's Facts. so important that you you know you remember why you're here in the first Great place and shit. i i just hear so many and, and you know people can live their lives i'm not here to tell people how to do it but to me i feel like my best ideas have come through inspiration of games whether it be making a video something as simple as that or implementing story decisions in our game like there is i'm i stay consistently inspired by looking at the things around me and being like wow they did that and, and if anything my appreciation for gaming grew because now i know more about the ins and outs and how they piece things together and i see it on a more technical level than i did before and i'm sure people have noticed at times with when i do my reviews how i speak about it i just see things that way and to me it's it's enhanced the appreciation where i play certain games i'm like wow wow like I, mm -hmm. I the amount of time they probably spent on this uh so it's really aided my love and uh 
you know, uh, again, scheduling is a big thing. So there are oh, weeks yeah. I slow down on gaming. Uh, but yeah, overall development hasn't killed it. And it's because I'm very fortunate to have a team. I think it's different in a solo gig. But Cog, I want to know about you. You know, you have a very different setup of jobs. But do you uh, game less because of them? Because you work in the games industry. You talk about games a lot. Are you gamed out by the time it's time to game? No, that's, this is accurate. I'm glad that we brought this up because this was the struggle. You know, um, obviously, most people know I'm, I'm at Oculus, you know, doing the VR thing and it's a leadership role it, and it's it's a lot of responsibility. I have a tremendous team, you know, of people under me and it's a lot. Right. And it's a day to day stuff. And I, I had to learn. I feel like I have some natural leadership qualities, but there's one thing where you know, everything does truly stop with you and every decision truly does stop with you, right? So that's one aspect. That was me growing into the role, right? Mm-hmm. On, a, on a corporate level. And then there's the log net level, which is, okay, I have a team of writers, I have a team of editor, editors, and learning, the, the biggest lesson I had to learn is because I'm such a perfectionist and I'm extremely critical of myself. Mm-hmm. I'll rewatch Defining Duke episodes. I'll rewatch... You know, yeah, I watch them. I watch every episode I do. See, I consider myself like way more self-critical than I ever need to be, but I don't want rewatch episodes. Yeah, I rewatch episodes because there's times I'm like, man, I didn't that didn't come across right, or you know, I didn't get the context of what I was trying to say. And I'm hard on myself. I mean, look, at at the end of the day, I'm 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 on a network. That, you know, I got one of the biggest content creators, one of the best reviewers I'm doing oh. a show with, right? And then You sounded like me all of a sudden. I feel like we swap positions here. Mm-hmm. I'm usually the one gassing you up and going, man. I I, I'm just it. being honest. Like, that. that's how I feel. Like, I, I'm, I, a, lot of, a lot of people look at me and they're like, yo, you're the great cog. And I get it. But I'm a person that I look at myself in comparison to my peers a lot. Not just competitively. Like, I'm trying to beat someone. I'm just trying to improve, right? And I look at, like we just did the Sacred Symbols episode, Crossover. I'm like, Colin to me is one of the GOATs. He's on my Mount Rushmore. I think uh, Chris Reagan is phenomenal, right? Just the the way he thinks. And I love Dustin's perspectives. He adds a unique flavor, you know what I'm saying? So I'm looking, okay, where do I fit? What do I bring? And my strengths and focus on that. So you got that. Then you got ILP, and I'm dealing with the you know three strongest personalities known to man, right? So you got that is King, the truth. <laughs> King David, you know what I'm saying? Lord addict, and when addict feel away, he gonna let you know. He's uh, gonna yeah. bump his head. He gonna he gonna he ain't got no problem being a bull in the china shop on how he feel. Mm-hmm. And then Solv is a subtle one. Like Solv is the smartest person I know. Like he's extremely technical and and very balanced. So yeah. what I had to learn with this and all these things is one, sometimes, yes, I can be critical. Don't beat yourself up too much and move on, course correct, and move on. Don't dwell. I had to learn not to dwell. That's the first thing. The second thing is disseminate. You can't save the world. You're not going to win every battle. As long as you're honest with yourself that you can't do that, so what I usually do, responsibilities, and that's when my, my guys come through. Shout out to my long editorial team. Shout out to Adam King Saw. Cog, we got this. We will take this off your plate. You, you focus on, and I don't have an ego where it's like, no, no, I got to do it. I got it. Yeah. Great. You know what I'm saying? I'll check in, like how you said with your team, just mm-hmm. run it by me so I can see. And yeah, if just, there's. Just let me be in the know. Just that's let all. me be in the know. And I, yeah. and that's hard for me because I, I'm a professional. I look at everything. I want to, you know, mm-hmm. I had to take this associate it. And then I'm going to bring this all back to gaming now. Because when this wasn't happening, gaming was going down. And I'm like, I'm not going to be one of these dudes that's just talking about games and not playing games. Mm-hmm. I can't. 
So that's for me, that's my co-host. Me, that's my you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I don't, I, I can't, I, I look not favorably on that. I'm just gonna be honest. So I'm if you talk way, about yeah. it, you got to be about it. So. I know I'm not going to ever get to my heyday when I didn't have all these possibilities. I'm playing <laughs> yeah. hours upon hour, but I ain't going to lie to you. I think it is healthy. I'm going to say something controversial. Mm-hmm. I think it was healthy that I was on the Rock of Blade Point for like 12 hours. <laughs> oh, Dude, you, need hours you need you that You need it. Yeah. You need it because it, it, you need one to bring the joy back to why you're doing what you're doing. Yes. Two, games is my escape. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have to you know, stop all right, Cog. You did enough for today. Stop. Mm-hmm. Get on a game and have some fun. Yeah. Whether it be it's and then also, thing, on the flip yeah. side, the homies be wanting me to do specific things with them. Sometimes mm-hmm. they gotta learn. Yo, you played Destiny with Cog sixteen hours this mm-hmm. day. Let Cog have his time, and I'll fight for my own time. Where I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not responding to you right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing this, and because I'm in a good place and I'm happy. So the the, the fight for it. And and that balance, and it's it's a struggle. So it's a give and take. Some days, a good, some weeks, you sure. can't. But that's what I do, and I make sure that I fight for. It's the same thing with the gym. I gotta fight for it. You notice my posts, yo. It's a struggle to get in, and I'll be dead honest. I'll be like, damn, I, I, I might not be able to make it. But at least if I get in one day this week, two days this week, that's something. It's better than nothing. And I'll fight, and then I'll get my rest afterwards. So that that's what it is. And I like this topic from uh, Black Magic because yes. it is a struggle. But you, and for gaming. If you're in this business, it's the same thing with me with, with VR. I have to play VR. How could I be, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. how could I say I'm going to be something and I'm not doing it actively? I, it just doesn't make sense to me. So that's where I'm at with it. Same mindset, same wavelength. Love to hear it. Well said. Dustin Graff is our next right in here. Hey, Dukes, hope this message finds you well. I'd like to have a discussion about Nintendo's hardware falling more and more behind their competitors per generation. The gap between the Wii slash Wii U and PS3 slash 360 seems less than the gap between the Switch and the PS4 slash Xbox One and now PS5 and Series X. Does this hurt them? I recently started Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and while I have my qualms with it, it's definitely a JRPG through and through. In fact, Switch seems to have a decent first party, uh, has seems to have decent first party RPGs and JRPGs. I I wonder if the hardware is a barrier to entry or a turnoff. This question was sparked after seeing the terrible pop-in playing Xenoblade 2 and the resolution the game is and the number of load screens. The game's art and color scheme are beautiful, but I feel the Switch hardware holds it back from being truly gorgeous. Anyway, I'm rambling. What are your thoughts on Nintendo's hardware gap seemingly getting bigger and the 4K Switch Pro all but hearsay at this point? Appreciate you guys. Have a standard HD with pop-in kind of day. I thought this was just a fun one because, you know, we had a lot of different random write-ins and I was like, yeah, let's just throw like, it's the end of the show where this is kind of our miscellaneous category of questions mm-hmm. is our grab bag. So let's talk a bit, a bit about Nintendo and where they're heading. Cog, I feel like uh, Switch Pro Dream's dying. I feel like yeah. it's this year or no year. And, um, you know, it's been the rumor mill for what feels like ever. And if it does happen, it's going to be an insane day on the web. It's going to be explosive for everyone. Uh, but I want to know from you, how you're feeling about the Switch? Do you do you own a Switch? I think you do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, I'm just making sure. I was day one adopter. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, same. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, how yeah. are you feeling about uh, their their current hardware problem, and if it's one at all? Because for a lot of people, it is, but they're selling like hotcakes. Yeah. Look, this is a great question, and Dustin. The reason why I love this, and I like that you picked this, baddie, is because this highlights to me what the gap is between the traditional, the casual gamer, and the hardcore gamer. Everything he said as a hardcore gamer, I absolutely resonate with. 
and why I've been playing my Switch less and less. Because I'm like, damn, you know, you got the Steam Deck out here. I got, you know, all these other things with high fidelity. And that's my only holdback with them. Because I'm like, damn, these are some really great games. But I'm like, damn, some of them look, look kind of rough because mm-hmm. I'm, such a, I'm such a technical snob, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is the masses don't really care about that stuff the way we do. They really don't. As long as the game is fun, they're not counting the peas. They're not counting the, the flops. They, they like, is this the frames? Fun? The yeah. frames. We out here looking at digital foundry comparisons every five minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. They're yeah. not. So this strategy has proven that it works for them. The numbers say what the numbers say. And I, I find it funny that gamers act like it's just Sony and versus Xbox out here and Nintendo's not dominating both of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's a truly a, it's a different market. And I, I just think that they know who they are. They're content with that. I think they and I think that helps them with the price point. But you know, for me as a gamer, well have I completely moved on from them? No, there's always gonna be a soft spot. There's gonna be games that I see and when they try different things and also mature things, I love with Nintendo. That's why I really the switch really resonated with me, especially third party support, which we're a week with. But mm-hmm. I ain't gonna lie to you, like I, it's gonna be less and less for me this generation, just personally, unless it's select titles. You know what I mean? But I don't know how you feel about it. Is it is yeah. gaming with Nintendo I mean, I feel you're more forgiving than me. <laughs> To be honest. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. think it's fair to say. Um, I've mm-hmm. always been forgiving. I mean, my, my favorite games come from Bethesda Games Studios, for God's sakes. I think it speaks for itself that I'm quite forgiving on technical mishaps. Uh, granted, I always say, like, when I play BGS games, like, I will have a bug or two, but I have not had these tragic experiences that I see the internet has. But I don't deny they exist. So right. my point being is, like, yeah, I'm definitely more forgiving. For me, frame rate's the place I, I don't ease up as much on nowadays. I'm starting to become a bit of a frame snob, but I'm not that person who's like, oh, it's not 144 hertz. I got a headache. Oh, my 60 FPS. Like I play old games. I literally run a retro channel. If I could not live with 30 FPS or below, I would not. I would that channel would cease to exist. But I will say that when I'm playing my new games, I do. I always prefer the smoothness, the frame rate over the graphical fidelity. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm more on the lookout for. With my Switch, though, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like Nintendo always brings me back with their exclusives. I'm not doing the third-party shop that I used to, though. I used to be big on getting, like, the ports, the third-party stuff earlier in the gen, but now, not so much. Good now point. I'm getting that everywhere else. But yep. their first-party stuff, like, I played a lot of Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes this year. Great game. You bet your butt I'm going to be on Live Alive. You bet your ass I put, like, 50 hours into Triangle Strategy. Mm. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, kind of interested in that. Bayonetta 3, end mm. of the year. Okay. Mario and Rabbids. I mean, yo, look, Nintendo is outside oh, yeah. and a half. They it's have a outside. ton of games. Oh, so yeah. I'm pumped to be using my Switch this year because their games look really good. And usually when they're made exclusively for the Switch, they take into account the hardware. It's not like, let's make this for the 360, or I'm sorry, not the 360, um, the Series X and the PS5, and then condense it down into a low-poly zero draw distance no shadows mess not that they're saying we're working on nintendo hardware so let's make it specifically for that and you get games like luigi's mansion which are beautiful games 
That's why I'm still using my Switch. It's the exclusives. If they continue to deliver those, they don't got to worry about this stuff because they got developers who just make it work. And not only make it work, make it work really well. And some mm-hmm. of these games will call in the question, do we need an upgrade? Then you'll play Fire Emblem Three Hopes, which I love, by the way. But you'll look at the visuals and go like, oh, my God, would it just kill them to put shadows or something like this? Ah! looks Terrible. <laughs> no doubt. Well said. Well said. All right, we got Daniel Wilson writing in with some. I think something was in the air this week with Jade Empire uh, because we got three write-ins about this, which we we average, by the way, for those who are wondering, like it's it used to be thirty. That's how much our show's grown. We're getting like 50, 60, 70 now, which I'm very happy with. But fifty's kind of become our new floor, which is awesome. More to pick from, so thank you all so much. But a lot of people are writing in about Jade Empire this week. I don't know why. Two thousand five RPG from Bioware. Daniel writes, X Bioware fans, Maddie and Cog, with the knowledge that you both have history with their games, why is there no mention of Jade Empire? It seems to be a gem lost to history as time goes on. If either of you have not played it, I highly recommend it, and I personally would love for this game to be remastered or receive a sequel. Let's spread the good word of this darling RPG. Cheers, guys, and take care of yourselves. Cog, have you played Jade Empire? I did. It's just been so long, mm. and I'm waiting for a, a remaster. God, that is a Cog yeah, game. That is a, a Come on, game. come yeah. on. Man, Bioware at that, like, it, it, it makes sense. I, I thought for sure we'd get this reimagined in some way. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't, I want to know if it's like tied to the rights or something with Xbox. Cause I just want to know, I, wasn't it like very close to launch? It was, it was early. What am There was like games. a Jade Empire two of some kind, I believe, as well. Um, there was a trademark listing, Ooh. so yeah, there was, there was movement with the with Jade Empire. I did an RPG time machine on it. Okay, um, just it back last year, I I replayed it. And uh, this game still kicks ass. Like, it's still extremely good. I highly recommend for those who have not played it and you do like the old school Bioware approach that you give this one a look. Um, We're talking about a game that was sort of at a, I'll use Cog's term, inflection point in Bioware's history. So they're deciding, how do we do action combat with choices? Do we stick with our tactical roots? And that's why you got games like KOTOR. We're sort of in the middle. You got a game like Dragon Age Origins while they were still feeling things out. That's very much tactics based. But in the middle, you're getting things like Mass Effect and Jade Empire, which are all action, all choice. And this was sort of the beginning of that era of Bioware. It really signified a turning point for their company. And unfortunately, Jade Empire didn't do super well. So they stuck with the idea and said, let's do this somewhere else. And they made Mass Effect. So I just think what's unfortunate about Jade Empire is the reason it doesn't get conversation is not because it's a bad game, but when you release in the middle of KOTOR, Mass Effect, and Dragon Age Origins, which are literally, in my opinion, like on the Mount Rushmore of JRPGs individually, right? And Jade Empire is up there too. But you got to be honest with yourselves. All three of those are popular as hell for their own reasons. Star Wars because of Star Wars. Mass Effect's just a beast of its own, right? And Dragon Age is arguably at times as popular as Mass Effect. I just feel like Jade Empire, maybe you released in a window where there wasn't the zeitgeist for it. There wasn't the hunger for it. You know, Mass Effect was this next gen Xbox 360 RPG. Uh, This was coming out at the tail end 
of the current gen leading into a new gen. So a lot of games always get unfortunately swept under the rug when that occurs. But yeah, Jade Empire is fantastic. Still recommend it. It's in back compat, so you can play it on your Series X. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and the thing is, it, it, it's such a timepiece and the art style. And, come on, this is the ninja, the card, the monster. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. like So part of me was like, okay, if you're not going to remaster or whatever, like, I thought, like, yo, can't get a sequel, though? Like, yeah, you know? yeah. And, and, and get, because I'm with you. I just think it's a victim of the time it released, right? And, I'm, you know, it, it obviously wasn't, it, it was good, but it, a lot of people wasn't critically acclaimed. So just go back get to the essence of what it is, modernize it, and let's go. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, uh, Absolutely. So with that, Cog, we move on to our final question of the show from Takayaki. Hey, Duke boys, Maddie, if Cog bent the knee for just one anime series and one anime series only that he hasn't seen, what anime would you make him watch? Choose wisely. Have everyone's hugging the cardio machines at the gym kind of day. Hate them dudes. Dude, I've just been having a tough time at the gym with like just getting to a bench or something. Like it's just mm-hmm. been it's been annoying. So yeah, we got, we got these posses. Yeah, these posses and they go in and back out. I know. I can't about. stand that, man. Mm-hmm. Jeopardize the whole process. But uh, Cog, what is the what is the list of any anime you have consumed? <sighs> um, <laughs> very got, le- very yeah, minimal, short list. Yeah, very minimal recent ones. <laughs> mm, of course, all my stuff is super old. Like all of my stuff is like. I told you about Gotcha about. I told you about um Giver. I told you about Akira. I talk about um Ninja Scroll and mm. you know, all the new popping stuff Cog has not watched. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So what you know, the one pieces and what is it, the Dragon Balls <laughs> and the you know all It's so this. funny, those are like really old now. <laughs> yeah, like bro, that, that 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 I'm I'm considering that new and popping. Mm-hmm. You know, so it just shows mm-hmm. you the They're still relevant, yeah. Yeah, like you know, I, I've just, it, it's so crazy because I used to love this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and when it first came out, it was fresh. It was new. It's better than any American cartoon could even mm-hmm. fathom. The subject matter just way better. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. So I don't know what happened where I just got disconnected. I don't know. I don't know. Something mm-hmm. happened. But yeah, I see the new stuff. You know, I mean, I see glimpses of it. You know, what is it? Um, Your man, um... What is it? The was it last Airbender and all this stuff like people uh, recommending? Yeah, that Naruto and stuff like I, I know what it is. The it's style, just so much. I, I, oh, it's not I, that. It's the style. It's the st- like it's the art style. I, I figured out why why I'm disconnected. I like more serious, mature tone main characters, and the style has shifted to more flashy, colorful, big haired. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it feels more, it doesn't, it, it, not that it doesn't, it's not stay out doing serious things. They, they just, I like darker stuff. Oh man. Then you'll love the pick I had for you in the first okay. place. Okay. So, cause, cause I genuinely I, think if you were to watch this, you would love it. Would it make you an anime fan? Probably not. Cause it's mm. so separate from anime, but what you described is exactly what I was like envisioning. I was like, I think Cog would like this attack on Titan. It removes, it strips all the anime tropes out. There's no, you know, oops, I accidentally held your hand. You know, all that whack stuff, I think, that they just jam into it for a particular audience. Like, there's no distractions. It's gritty. It's serious. You got a main character that doesn't have the big poofy hair. It's violent. It's dark. It is a very mature storyline, man. Like, 
everyone's at risk to die and right you got these big titans running around the world it's complex at times very hard to understand when you get really deep into it but not because of like their yeah, storytelling Attic yeah. loves this thing. i heard about it yeah aot is legit like look Ooh. i fell off the train i mentioned this i think in one of our shows I, I fell off the train with part one of season four i was like Ooh. they're slowing it down way too much it's supposed to be all out my friends watch part two season four and they're like you just got to give it a chance i'm like okay fine like i'll i'll, I'll put because for me watching tv is like a huge commitment so i'm like all right That's i'll do it yeah. cog this second part which is a full season by the way was dusted in a day and a half 20-ish episodes gone. Me. Wow. Me. Wow. So I'm just letting you know. Attack it's, on Titans it, for me. Attack on Titans for you. Like, even if you were like, I, I wouldn't even view it as anime. You were watching a TV show. You were watching cinema. It is, it is, a, it is anime, but I really think it won't even register for that as you. Like, there's a reason mm-hmm. it's so popular. And to me, mm-hmm. it's because like, it just, it's, it, I don't know why other other anime don't do it. Manga don't do it. Just mm-hmm. get rid of the tropes. It's so easy to strip out the tropes from modern day storytelling and 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 not focus on this the same shit constantly. Uh, but so many companies and, and creators refuse to do it because there's comfort in going to a zone that you're familiar with and kind of building off of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is wholly original. Um, so I would I, I think if I were to make you bend the knee and make a choice. Mm-hmm. I would put you on this for sure. Exactly. It's worth a shot. Yeah. What's the what's the cool factor? See, that's another. I need cool, cool factor. Oh, stuff. You love Levi. You know you what I'm love saying? Levi. Like, okay, Levi. He's the guy who, when I got my haircut, based based on him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. See, as long as there's some cool and some style, or mm-hmm. you know, really dope, powerful beings, or just I just need, like I said, that it, it, I'm a, I'm a very the stylish person. Way aesthetics look. That's why I'm, you know, I'm anti-croc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. There's yes. just nothing yes. aesthetically hot about that. Like, look yeah. at it. it, it it's like a dump bill. What, what's going on with that mm-hmm. shoe, right? It just, I get that, so yeah. I need something that I'm like, man, look at that. That looks cool. Mm-hmm. I want to be that person. Or you want to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like the style and, or the, 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 the mm-hmm. way the fighting is or boom. I need that. If it has that type of energy then yeah, it's going to, it's going to gravitate. Yeah. I don't know. Cause the world is so brooding and dark. I don't know if I ever sit there and think like, I want to be like that person. Well, not Uh, necessarily all the time to be, but if the world is captivating like that, if you say like that, that type of stuff still, you know, draws me in as well. You know what I'm saying? But I just need a couple of those type of factors or a combination of those to get invested. And then, Mm. but if I see, you know the four blue haired dudes and yeah guys none of that and, yeah ah, mm-hmm. boom, boom. And it, like I'm already out like I don't want to hear none of that like you know what I'm like I, 100% it, you know what I'm saying it just really takes me out I, I, I like a little bit more serious and cooler tones and if even if it's post apocalyptic or dark I'm cool with that too 100% yeah so you yeah. would dig this because there's none of that crazy shit none okay. of that so. Right, so attack on Titan gotta give a shot yeah, I think shot. if you ever, yeah, if you ever want to give it a shake, I'll lend you my account. You got the Ooh. keys to the castle. I'll let you right in the door. Fair enough. I even now I do see something right here. They look like these two big brutes going in, and they look look kind of crazy. Oh, be careful, like, spoilers. Sorry, <laughs> something was going on on my screen. I was like, I don't know what those dudes are, but they look like they getting it in. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. they uh, they're they're. You're probably looking at like Titan fights where like they they actually use like MMA combat as like a, a jumping off point for it. Yeah. Yeah, I like so, that. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. it's really Fair cool. Enough. Fair enough.
Um, that's one thing I appreciate about anime is they they very much wear on their sleeves like when they consume something. That's why I always say like the best creators are consuming. Like they made it clear like probably the team was watching a lot of UFC stuff into the UFC combat. And they're like, what if we like made a Titan fight based off the UFC shit? Like I just feel like, I like that, no, that I like is that. cool. Right. So they got a lot of that type of energy, a lot of creative energy in here. Mm, Very dark fair. world. I think you'd like it. So well, that'd be my shot. pick. I'll give it a legit shot. Yeah. I wouldn't put you on something like uh Demon Slayer. I love Demon Slayer. That's my personal favorite, but like I know, like that's you want to talk about goofy, big colored hair, like glowing eyes, <laughs> that type of shit. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the type of stuff I'm like. <laughs> with you know, self went off by it. <laughs> it's true. It's just I don't know. It's just a thing with me. I'm very. I know it's not fair. I need to watch a lot more stuff. But just I get so critical. And I just I just roll. I get it. Attic laughs at me when he's like when I I get disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a Dragon Ball is another one that I think you would just get a kick out of because like everyone's hair turns yellow yeah, when they're like just, super powered. You know, Goku look cool. I give him that. He look cool, but it's just like it's. Yeah, I think Goku looks whack. Like I'm very much oh. pro on like Gohan Trunks. Like, okay, okay. Gonna, like, Trunks okay. the guy with the sword. Like that's yeah. my dude. I got a, no, I I got a display of him right here. Ooh, no, I feel that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm getting the education. Oh, yeah. So with that, Cog, that's episode 80 of Defining Duke and Xbox podcast. It's time to set up our hashtag for the week where people can tweet in or post in the comments. And let us know what they thought of the show. We talked a lot about Redfall. We talked mm-hmm. a lot about Ubisoft, game preservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wh- where's my man we at? Got, we, what got, are you feeling? Yeah, we got we, we did the Redfall. We did the, um, I'm trying to think. Let's see. We, this was a varied episode. I feel like we always say that. Yeah, I guess no episode's like very yeah, uniformed like, up the middle. Because we had some strong ones. Yeah, I, I definitely did the Red Forge. I definitely like the Ubisoft one. Um, I think like, damn. I've had some in my head like, I don't know why I was thinking like moved on, but I, I'm trying to remember what the context was mm. in terms of what we were moving on from. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm about to defer to you on this one. What you felt the strongest about with, with the uh, show? Yeah, we talked a lot about Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. We yeah. do yeah. like UB, UBDD, which keep it nice, nice UB and clean. DD but or, that's, that feels um, so uninspired. That feels yeah, lazy. Yeah, that's hilarious. Because um, mm, the main issues we had was just, you know, they they play the safe, you know, template stuff, mm-hmm. like back to glory, want them to get back to where they were at. Um and then this was in the context of um what was it in the context? it was because we was in the context of, of them um DLC, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, oh, oh, we were in the context of preservation, right? We was in the, that Mm. Preserve DD. Preserve DD. Yeah, yeah, preserve, yeah we just said that at the yeah. same time. Same time, yeah, preserve. That that was more the spirit, I felt. Yeah. What we try to do. I like that. So if you got this deep into the show and you want to contact us on Twitter at G27Status at Lord Cognito, tweet, us, tweet at us with the hashtag PreserveDD. Like if that. you don't want to do that, you can go ahead and post in the comments. Just let us know with the hashtag PreserveDD and let us know your thoughts on the episode with that cog. It has been an absolute blast this week and we will catch everyone next week on episode 81 of defining duke and xbox podcast until then take great care of yourselves and we'll see you next time peace out peace defining duke and xbox podcast is a product and trademark of last stand media and collins last stand llc and is recorded from the united states of america the show is conceived by matthew mr matty play schroeder and me colin moriarty and is written and produced by matthew schroeder 
Maddie's co-host is Barry Lord Cognito Eversley. Defining Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level on Patreon, and we're thankful for your kindness and generosity. Casual Misfits Gaming, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLDFMA, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Malachi Wall, Dave Cowell, Donald John Vader, Stephen Innerfield, Lord Starscream, Jacob Donovan, Eduardo Perez, Salty Trees, My Name is Mayo, Logan Byford, GJ, Eddie Medina, Jason R. Zahn, Christopher Knox, Zeno Adam, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Nuclear Prostate, Sorta Serious Gaming, Colin Farley, Mark Arnold, Zia Parrix, Henry Groth, Relentless Rex, Tristan Palacios, Drew Mullen, Graham Plays, Christian R., Jad Reed, Benjamin Mumma, Patrick Skipper, Brian Hernandez Espinoza, Chris Kelly, Remington Wilson, Dustin Graff, Peyton Stone, Jalapeno, Josh Hallen Rui, Michael Buffel, Dan Root, Asak Parides, Talisman, Christopher Morgan, Randall Holsey, Robbie Nauman, William Holbert, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Daniel Johnson, H. Tronge, JT, Antonio C., Jay Getter, Assassinated Devil, Bjorn Campbell, Andrew Morgan, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Jordan Gale of Fortuna, John Zeal, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Alex LaPierre, Saul Balcazar, Brian White, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Flowers, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Bustard, Rodney Coleman, Cruxes, Chris Moore, Caswell, Anti Kinnanen, Chris, Dave Alvarez, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Justin Gonzalez, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Zach Allum, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie 108, Patrick Montgomery, Simon Dunbar, D.B. Cooper, Fat Houdini, Richter 86, Ian Bravo, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Jonathan Coates, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Jordan Town, Brian Chan, Organic Produce, Carlos Algorit, Dominic, Mike Menzel, Richard Hebert III, Miranda. Amanda Grubba, Josh Yeager, Martin Beck, Gavin, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Lou and Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, Dylan Burns, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Tom Quinn, Anton Kay, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bellow, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zuniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, The Rose Experience, and Grizzled Veterans Media, Tyler Goodwin, William O'Carroll, Jorge Powell, Max Cannon, Phil Crone, Throw Seven, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Lockmore, Geo Corsi, Joey Gonholliger, Gerald Pennington, Justin Payne, Justin Wagaman, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Andrew, Keith A. Lewis, Ashley Carlson, Marius Garson-Peterson, Ryan Greenwood, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Carper, Mad Mock Media, and Jonathan Rice.